And good morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I am Glenn. He's Griffin. Lots to do on the program today. Coming up a little bit later on, our weekly chat with Jeremy Kahn. Al Bernstein from Showtime is going to join us after Tank Davis. Got the seventh round knockout against Ryan Garcia. We'll talk about that this morning. And Coach Tony Skin, new head basketball coach at his alma mater, George Mason, spent, of course, last season with Kevin Willard at Maryland. We'll talk to him about what it is that Kevin Willard did so successfully and his new gig, obviously. We'll do that coming up today on the program. We begin, of course, as we do every day, with an update of the Lamarometer. Lamarometer. And I um, found something really interesting. I say I found it. It was sent to me. Our buddy Aaron Oster from um, the Circa out in Las Vegas was perusing some betting things. And he came across a bet that you can make right now if you were to wander over to betonline.ag. Now, of course, we can bet legally in the state of Maryland now, so we don't need to do that. We can go to pressboxonline.com offers, and we can take advantage of great sign-up bonuses and incentives in order to bet here in the state of Maryland. And so we'd rather do that. Like, for example, we can get five-second chance bets at points bet when we deposit and bet our first $50. We can go to pressboxonline.com slash offers to take advantage of that particular incentive, and we have to go to pressboxonline.com slash offers in order to do it. I I won a little bit of money on Tank this weekend. Mm -hmm. I then got froggy as I'm one to do, and I turned around and I lost some money on uh, a basketball game. I don't remember which one it was, but... All of them. I know. I like immediately when I won a little bit of money. I'm like, I'm gonna reinvest that, and it was gone just that quickly. Um, but if you were so inclined, you could go right now to BetOnline.ag and you would find these odds: Lamar Jackson, Week One, 2023, start for any other team, a minus 155 favorite. Start for the Ravens. Plus 125. Does not start for any team. Plus 550. So obviously that would be if he were to hold out. Of course, actually, technically, it would be if he were to get hurt again as well. So maybe there's some juice there at plus 550. And I have two things. First, I'm going to give somebody a $25 Glory Days uh, Grill gift card today because I want to know as a better... What what are you doing with this, and why? Like you're being told that you've got to make a bet with these odds. How you doing it, and why? So you get that in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, and you can be registered to win the twenty five dollar gift card today to Glory Days Grill. But as far as the Lamar meter is concerned, my question is: Should it impact what today's reading is? Like, should this information, the fact that a major betting company even though it's not an American sports book, a major betting company is offering you plus odds for Lamar Jackson to start in week one for the Baltimore Ravens. That would suggest that bet online's internal Lamar meter ain't even 50-50. Actually, I have no idea if that math works out. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that works. Point being, they don't think it's 95%. They thought that. It would probably be something like 
Like that uh, fight before the uh, Javante fight on Saturday night? Minus 11. No, it was minus like 3,000 or whatever. The minus two. Th- the co-main event of the night, Morell, I believe was his name, minus 2,000. Now, in fairness, I did no prep on this and had no idea. And when I was watching, I said, this is the co-main event of the night? And he's a minus 2,000 favorite? And then uh, about 20 seconds later, I understood exactly why. Wait, wait until we finish Lamar Meter, and then you can deal with that. I understood exactly why. Uh, apparently this other dude got 10 days notice to take the fight and should not have been in the fight. Good payday for him. I'm sure it was a good payday, but it was severe pain. Severe pain. It was over quickly, and then they was vamping for a little while, baby. There was some vamping going on leading up to uh, the main event. Now, moral of the story. Let's get to that. Moral of the story is... How did this impact Lamar meter? Because otherwise, there was nothing that went on this weekend. Apparently, Lamar was hanging out at his soul food restaurant in Florida watching the fight on Saturday night. Anything meter should go up based on his Instagram stories because he's very excited for fellow Baltimorean, Javante Davis. Oh, he's always been. There's always been a connection, Javante. We've seen Javante wear Lamar Jackson jerseys on fight nights before. Like, there's always been a friendship there. Apparently, Odell Beckham was in Vegas at the fight hanging out with Javante on Saturday night. Um... That doesn't do a whole lot for me, but this is interesting. Why would a betting company list the favorite for Lamar in week one to be playing for any other team but the Ravens? I tried to poke in on that. I went back and forth with Aaron because he's a, my kind of my betting expert. I said, is it possible that's just a mathematical reflection of the Ravens just being one team, whereas the other teams are 31 other teams, and math says there's a greater chance of 31 other teams than one team? And the answer was no. That's not how these things go. Like, you wouldn't see the same thing if, um, you know, if it was presented for other players. Where are they going to be playing next year? Almost always the team that they're on is the team that's the favorite. So... No, it's not that way. But this is 1 versus 31. This isn't 1 versus 1 versus 1 versus 1 versus 1. So could it have an impact? Perhaps. I, I don't know. And it's also, keep in mind, I, th- I believe I was informed, there is a, um, hang on a second. Uh, it's a very low limit bet. So so like a $50 cap or something? Yeah, you can't okay. make, I, even if it is $50, like, mm. They do this with professional wrestling, for example, where, like, somebody knows, so they don't allow you to bet a lot of money because Vince McMahon could just, and his creepy mustache, could just turn around and say, hey, go bet uh, $70,000 on the big show to win. The big show's not in WWE, but you get my point, right? Like, he could do that because he knows who's going to win the match. So they do low caps for WWE betting um, on Bet Online, and I, I think if it comes to the states, then there will be low caps on WWE betting there as well. Um, I don't know what to make of it. I genuinely don't. But it's just enough for me. Uh oh, no. Just, just slightly, just slightly, ninety-two percent. And I want you to share that when you tweet it out. I want you to be like, "Look, Glenn's not convinced this is anything." But it's just enough that he's going to tick it slightly. 92. 92%. That's all. Still overwhelmingly sure that Lamar Jackson will be the week one quarterback. But why, why 
is Bet Online offering you plus odds for him to start for the Ravens at this point? Why would that be the case? I feel like Brian Windhorst right now. What's going on at Bet Online? Something really strange is happening at Bet Online. Does Windhorst that have that high pitched a voice? Why do I feel like he's got a high pitched voice? He doesn't really. It's more like um, it's more like kind of gra- gravelly. I don't know how to explain. It. Like, what's going on? It's very soft. And right, it's soft yeah. for sure. Yeah. What's going on at Bet Online? Weird things going on. Something's happening at Bet Online. What's going on? After he would do a five minute diatribe right. about it and then get to that point. So I feel a little bit like uh, Brian Windhorst right now, or Windy. He'd, he'd paint the timeline. He'd be like, so bet online. Right. On on April 4th, right. bet online. This bet wasn't available. Didn't offer these odds. Now, on April 4th, we all thought there was a better chance of Lamar Jackson ending up somewhere else. But they didn't offer the odds. It wasn't until after Odell Beckham arrived in Baltimore and they went out clubbing that Bet Online posted these odds. I've been asking around, what's going on? Like come Easter Sunday, come Easter Odell Sunday, all of a sudden was in Miami. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, and it could be absolutely nothing. It could be, and it was pointed out to me by someone else. I asked about it. It's also possible. I, I have said before, one of the greatest days of my life was when I was perusing bet online. When I was in the darkest of my dark days, when I was uh, betting Ukrainian ping pong, which definitely was a thing that occurred. 1-800-GAMBLER. It's a reminder. 1-800-GAMBLER. When I uh, was betting Ukrainian ping pong, I was perusing the entire bet online website. Again, these are in the, the before times, before you were able to just go over to pressboxonline.com slash offers and sign up for all these great offers. Um, and one of the bets that I happened to find was who will win the next humans versus alien war? The next? I found the next? Yes. <laughs> I found that. <laughs> Hang what on a second. I wish, I wish I could find. I got to find because I shared it. And I did like a week's worth. Of, I believe it was in the middle of the pandemic. So we did like a okay. week's worth of content about it. It was glorious. I know Jeremy stole it from me and went over to 105.7 and did like a week's worth of content about it. Like, we, it could not have been better. Uh, here we go. Uh, this was from uh, July. Uh, it was not in the throes of the pandemic. It was July 19th, 2021. And I found this. It said, to odds to win the next alien versus human war. By the way, the next. I, I can't the, get over the next. This is legitimate. This was really a thing that you could bet on on betonline.80.80g. Uh, <laughs> the humans were only minus the before times, and the humans, for whatever insane reason, were minus 150 favorites. And now we again, we did a lot of content about this topic, and I dug into it and I said, well, that's only because there's no way to cash out if the aliens win. You have to bet humans because <laughs> your only chance of getting your money back. So they have to make the humans the favorites here because if you bet on the aliens, you're just throwing away your money. <laughs> you're never getting well, maybe, it. Maybe there was going to be a peaceful transfer of you know, a the, peaceful al- the, transfer aliens, the aliens of taking over the sports Human books. to alien power? The aliens are going to realize that, oh, the no. sports book, there is, there is something the, here. There's something here. We we're going we're gonna to take Let's care not of wreck the entire yeah. planet. <laughs> by the way, Lamar and me are brought to you by Glory Days Grill, as I said before. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports, 92%. But the point being, they sometimes do these things. We're like, I don't know when they posted this human versus alien war prop. 
I don't know if they posted it on July 19, 2021, or if they posted it in 2007 and have just sort of left it up there and haven't, like, it's in a part of the website that they don't monitor all that much. So, they don't, so I don't know how to make sense of this prop that they have offered related to Lamar Jackson's, net, you know, where he's going to be in week one. I don't know whether or not I should believe that it's actually a thing. But I don't know that I can completely dismiss it either. I'm just in a really... I'm in a strange place with it. It exists. It's a number. It... I It, I, it would... You know, I would feel differently if it were on an American sports book. If it were on an American sports book, like, I'd be more convinced that somebody knows something. On Bet Online, I do think it's possible to just, tr- they're trying to get you to go make a bet. They're trying to, they, by the way, successfully, they're getting me to advertise it, right? Yeah. Like, that they're trying to get you to go make a bet and then get involved with Bet Online. I am more inclined to think that's possible. That's why I'm not going to tick it much. I ticked it a couple of percent. Just a couple in order to reflect the fact that this is weird information that was presented to me. It's weird that you can go to an actual site and that you can bet plus odds for Lamar Jackson to be the week one starter for the Baltimore Ravens given everything we know. Aaron was trying to convince me that the action's on doesn't start anywhere in week one. He was like, dude, that's the, the juice is there. You make that bet. And I was like, nah, I, mean, I'm I guess not. I guess if I guess if you think there's any chance, then you're getting I, plus five. I, I understand. The, the, yeah. There's still the, there is still the world in which the Ravens believe that Lamar Jackson is going to play for thirty two million dollars, and Lamar Jackson says, "The hell I am," and they say, "Well, tough. Like that's the deal. Like we we did everything. That's that's what we offered you is thirty two million dollars to be the quarterback this season, and then Lamar holds out and holds out into the regular season. I just don't see that." happening i don't buy it not today i might feel very silly in a couple of weeks it might be that in a couple of weeks i sit back and i say huh there was a really good chance to to get some juice on that and what would it even if it was like a 50 dollars max bet that would pay out like 250 bucks that'd be very much worth it but uh, today, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I still think that those odds are a little bit off. But again, I can, uh, I'm can i going to hook somebody up with a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill just for responding, and the Lamar meter moves to 92%. All right, uh, we're going to get into the Orioles this morning here on GCR. A lot to discuss after they sweep the Tigers this weekend. It was not always... So certain, there were a lot of nervy moments in a weekend sweep of the Tigers between Friday and Sunday, but ultimately they got the job done in both games. You can, uh, by the way, thank Rita and I again yesterday because once again we were on the air while the Orioles were being no hit and we were talking about it. And so we were able to successfully jinx it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Sometimes a hero comes along. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the Orioles are being perfect gamed. Almost no chance they'll end up getting a hit. We're probably going to see a perfect game today. You're welcome. You're what can I say except you're welcome. 
It was very brave of you. I don't really know any of the other words of that song. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a, a good song. I think my, it's not a good song. It is. Uh, Dwayne Johnson. He's not a good singer. Talking about being a god. He's, I understand. I don't know. I don't know a single other word except for what can I say except you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's sort of like the Peaches song. Peaches, 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 Peaches. The point of all this being. When you're staring at a demigod, what else can you say except... Okay, we, we don't need to spend this much time on it, I promise. The point of it being, uh, we broke it up, so you're welcome. Now, also, I reflect a couple of things today in my column at PressBoxOnline.com, which is either already up or will be coming. The things I reflect are, boy, how funny is it that a week ago we were panicked, panicked, talking about panic at the disco when it came to Orioles pitching, and now all of a sudden they're the Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, Braves of the 1990s. Three total runs... Over the last, no, yes, three total runs over the last 54 innings because it was 10 innings yesterday and the last eight innings of last Sunday. I had to do that math a couple times in my head to make sure I had it right. Six games, six games, but it's just a little wonky because it's everything after the first inning. It's essentially nine, and it, all nine no, inning games, but right, it, just, it was yeah. It was 10 yesterday and eight on Sunday, so it works out to being like six nine-inning games. It's just not exactly six nine-inning games. 54 innings. Three total runs. And again, we were panicked. We were, our hair was on fire. We were losing our minds about where Orioles pitching was before that. Now, all of a sudden, nobody can touch them. Of course, part of that story is they played the Nationals and the Tigers for five of those games. I understand that we are probably not going to be judging what the Orioles do specifically against those teams and trying to figure out exactly where they are pitching-wise. But to be fair, this is the nice part about not having to play so many games against the AL East this season, is that you do get to play more of these games. This is why I thought the win total was not accurate before the season for all the various betting sites, because I thought the Orioles were going to be able to take advantage of playing more games against these types of teams. Question is, where is the Orioles pitching between what we saw for the two weeks that begin the season versus last week? Because they were probably never as bad as they looked for two weeks, and they probably aren't quite as good as they were last week. No way to have that answer. The interesting conundrum that I also reflect today in the column is the thing that you and I felt last week when we started thinking about having to make roster moves. Like, what, 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 what are you doing? Both Dylan Tate and Michael Givens are slated to start rehab assignments this week, as was announced over the weekend. Now, I don't know exactly how long it's going to take, and it's easy for all of us to sit back and say, well, Keegan Aiken is the first guy on the chopping block. Like, okay, probably. Keegan Aiken probably is the first guy on the chopping block. But then who? Because you got two pitchers coming in. Now, that, that could be solved for you, right? It's totally possible that between now and then someone else gets hurt or goes on a bereavement list or a paternity list or something like that, and that makes your life a little bit easier for a moment. Or it's also possible that someone pitches so poorly over the course of the next week and a half that that makes your move for you. But outside of that, it opens up another conversation, which goes back to the, the topic of liftoff, and I dive into this. I was really pleased that the Orioles didn't try to hold on to Andrew Politi. I've said this a million times. When you're a bad baseball team that's not trying to win, it makes sense to try to find talent in the Rule 5 draft, right? Like, we, what else are you going to use that roster spot for? Another bad player? Of course. You go try to see if there's 
this Tyler Wells guy might be somebody that could help? The answer is yes. That Tyler Wells guy is someone who's been very helpful. It made all the sense in the world in 2020 for the Orioles to be taking a shot on Tyler Wells and saying, here, you can have a roster spot in a season where we don't think we're going to be any good. Very logical. Or 2021, whatever that was. 2021. Yeah, I guess it was 21. Makes sense. Now, the Orioles are competitive. And the idea that you can go in and try to win 25 on 26 and say, we can beat you despite the fact that we don't have as many major league players as you do. That's nonsense. Now, if you would, you want to use the pick, and if Andrew Politi had mowed through spring training, and it looked like, boy, everybody missed this guy, this is, this is a guy that can help now, well, then that's one thing. You give it a shot. If he falls apart early in the year, you move on from it. Nobody knew that Yenny or Cano was going to be this guy either. But he didn't. He didn't pitch well in spring training. And the Orioles rightfully said, we're not just going to waste a roster spot in a year in which we're trying to contend. Maybe one day Andrew Politi will be a thing. I feel like there was somebody else that the Orioles used a pick on. Nestor Cortez, right? The Orioles used a pick on Nestor Cortez, couldn't justify the roster spot all season long, and ultimately... They regret it, right? Nestor Cortez has proven to be a high-level major league pitcher. It's a bummer. Particular bummer because it's the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> really particular bummer because Again, it's the Yankees. if he was Yankees. in San Diego. Right, be. no one would care. <laughs> but because it's the Yankees, damn it. It's not supposed to be the case. But you respect them. What year was Cortez? Uh, was it, that was that 18? No. Oh, God. That would, be, that would be, it would really. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, it would make it so much worse <laughs> if that was the case. God, I don't really want now I don't even want to know. I kinda mm. wanna never think about it again. It was seventeen. Okay. And you were still trying to be competitive in seventeen, right? Yeah, seventeen yeah. was and they just missed the playoffs. Yes, correct. Before they knew that like the bottom was gonna fall out, they were still trying to be competitive in seventeen. And so they put him on the team to begin the season, but in April they felt a squeeze and they had no choice but to offer him back to the Yankees. It's just sort of what it is. Um, they had also attempted to do it. They had, they had done, tried to do it with two guys that year. Yikes! They tried to do it with Pedro Arroyo. I forgot about that dude that year too. Um, so it's a bummer because maybe Andrew Politi one day will tr- prove to be Nestor Cortez. I hope not, but maybe that's the case. Point being, the Orioles said we've got to compete. That's not liftoff. That's not going and spending lots of money on a free agent. But it's recognizing that we can no longer do the things that we were doing when we stunk. We have to try now. We have to show that we're doing everything in our power in order to win with what we can control. We can't justify Andrew Politi making the team. I appreciate that there could be a similar circumstance that plays out in the next two weeks when it comes to these roster decisions they're going to have to make to get Givens and Tate back on the team. Because and I was actually tweeting back and forth with our buddy Paul Valley, the host of the Bat Around. I was going to let him come on today, but he's got something going on. I, what do you do? If nobody is hurt, if nobody, if there's no obvious move to make, 
You can say Keegan Aiken's the first to go. Fine, right? I'll hear that out. He's the first to go. And Keegan Aiken has an option left, so that's an easy decision to make. But then who? Because the guys that have stunk have no options left. CNL Perez, who's just been train wreck, has no options left. Austin Voth has no options left. And is your long man. Now, you might believe that Michael Bauman could be your long man. But that's not the role you've been using him in so far. So, you know, you just have to make that decision. Given the fact that Austin Voth is stunk, I don't feel like you'd be taking that much of a step backwards. If you said, well, Mike Bauman's a long man now, what's the bar? The bar is the guy we were using ain't very good. But they have no options left. So the Orioles could reasonably make the argument that, well, hey, Austin Voth pitched well a season ago. Mike Bauman's pitched well for three weeks. We actually have more evidence that Austin Voth is a good major league pitcher than Mike Bauman is. And so... And since Bauman, Bauman has an option, right? And Bauman has an option. Yeah. So we don't want to run the risk of losing Austin Voth altogether, whereas we wouldn't be running that risk if we sent Bauman down. And heck, somebody's going to get hurt again in two weeks. We could always pull him right back up. You could justify that. I don't think this fan base, the hardcores, would love that. I was chatting about it with Paul, and Paul was like, man, it could be Cano. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? That would suck. Imagine saying that right now. That Cano, because he's also he's got two options. You wouldn't even be using his final option at that point. That Cano would be the guy to go. The guy who's been literally unhittable. Like, you know when we use literally incorrectly? <laughs> Not this time. Literally unhittable. Imagine saying that to your fan base. Well, we just we couldn't lose Austin Both. We couldn't lose CNL Perez. Now, I would be inclined to maybe come up with a magical injury for one of these guys instead, right? Instead of, you know, out, if, if you decide, because my point is, at some point you've got to decide that what, what's happening right now is more important than these other things. Trying to win right now and putting the best 26 guys out there has to be more important at some point than are we running the risk of losing Austin Voth? My answer would be, you found Austin Voth a year ago off the scrap heap. You couldn't find another Austin Voth. What is the upside on Austin Voth? I'm not really angry about him about yesterday. He gave up a soft fly ball that, frankly, the throw the throw was there. Probably should have been the final out of the inning. Let's be frank about that. Like they probably shouldn't have given up a run in that situation. The throw was there. It wasn't. He did a pretty good job given the circumstances. I was. I thought it was insane that he was the guy that was going into the game. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You're doing what? But it reflects on what Stan talks about a lot, which is that Brandon Hyde says, if these are the guys that I have, I'm going to use them. Which I also think has to reflect this decision-making, right? Like, Brandon Hyde's not just going to hide guys in his bullpen, no pun intended, because you want to protect their spot on a roster, or the fact that they don't have options left. He's going to say... I have a certain number of pitchers. I have to use the pitchers that I have. So he's going to run Austin Voth out in that type of situation where we're all really scratching our heads like, dude, what are you doing? So at some point, I think the Orioles have to to prioritize the now and the fact that 
in whatever series it's going to be, the Royal series perhaps, that Brandon Hyde is going to need to bring somebody, one of these guys out of the bullpen. And the choice could be Austin Voth or Mike Bauman. Now, if Bauman goes out and stinks a couple times this week, then that makes the decision all that much easier, right? Like, okay, it was kind of fool's gold what we saw at the beginning of the year. The truth is that's not really who Mike Bauman is. Just send him back down. But if he doesn't, then what are you doing? And it's a complicated question. I'm not giving you a direct answer to it. I'm not saying that if the Orioles send Bauman down and keep both, it means that the whole everything about the organization is a sham. I'm saying that this is the next opportunity to prove a priority. And if they were to expose Austin Voth, it probably would go a long way to get me to believe, like, no, they're doing the things necessary in order to make sure they're prioritizing winning. Clearly, it doesn't compare to spending $100 million on a baseball player. But if they were to do that, it would probably give me more reason to believe that perhaps they would be willing to make a move at the deadline. Do the next thing on the list for prioritizing winning when you have the second best record in the American League right now. I think it's an interesting kind of test that faces the Orioles in the next two weeks. And again, it might not actually come to fruition. As I point out, somebody could get hurt. There's... Especially if, I think somebody said that Tate might need like six or so appearances before he could even be at the big league level. So that that could be a while. And if in the meantime Givens comes up, he'll just be switched out for Aiken and nobody will think about it. So it might be that this answers itself and that the test part of this just goes away. That there's never actually a test that they have to pass. But it could present a test for this organization to show the priority of winning versus the priority of roster manipulation. So how disappointed are you then if, it, if they do end up uh, optioning someone and it's Bauman or, or Cano? Cano? Yeah. I mean, if they're pitching like this. Right, if they, if they continue, yeah. It's going to be pretty, un- well. it's going to be unjustifiable. Like, there's going to be no way. You're going to say, I, again, I'll do the thing. I'll say all the right things. Like, they're trying to measure a year's worth of Austin Voth versus a month and a half's worth of, or a month's, whatever it is at that point, of worth of Bauman or Cano. But it's a pretty unjustifiable message to send. Remember a year ago, we were struggling with their decisions at the trade deadline. Because as much of it was that we want, we were disappointed, we could also understand a little bit, like Mancini was going to be gone. So trying to get something for him. The Lopez deal at the moment looks kind of brilliant, right? Like they found Cano. I don't know that Lopez was ever... Given what Felix Batista is, and right. I get it, he blew a save on Friday night, but still. There was, given, there was softly hit ground yes. balls, that, and if the shift is still yes, around. correct, like, and there had to be a stolen base involved. Yeah. There had to be a lot of things. Like, he, yes, he blew a save, but given what Felix Batista is, he would never be, Jorge Lopez would never be a better option than Felix Batista at the moment, but Jorge Lopez has been really good in Minnesota. I want to be clear about that. He's been nails this season. I, I'm getting a little lost in the weeds, and I want to come back to it, but the point being, like, I... We'll have to have that conversation. It's unjustifiable, really, if somebody is pitching well, succeeding at the major league level, for them to say, but we want to prioritize roster manipulation. You can't do that anymore. you got to be past that. you got to be at a place where you say, no, winning now is what matters. And I just don't think there's enough of an upside to Austin Voth that... I can be all that worked up about him being the guy that goes. If you want to justify CNL Perez by saying, well, we have to have another lefty, 
Like, if you're getting rid of Aiken, you're down to Colom as your only lefty, right? Like, you can make that argument about right. CNL Perez and say, I get it, he's not been good, but there is a little bit of a track record there of him fi- having some success a season ago, and we need to have another lefty available in the bullpen. There's got to be someone who... I, I can listen to that. I can't. I can't on both. Unless, again, he, he, becomes he starts pitching much right. better. I, I can't on, like, the fear of what it would mean to lose Austin both. It just doesn't strike me the same way. But, again, we got time. I'm just putting it out there as a... It's, it's the potential for something to be interesting in the coming weeks. The Orioles do shift to a series against the Red Sox, and... Um, Dean Kramer goes back under the microscope tonight because for as well as he pitched last week, he did it against the Nationals. This is obviously a far more representative lineup that he's going to be facing tonight against the Red Sox. Even if we think the Red Sox can't pitch, we know that they've got a legit lineup. So he goes back under the microscope, and if he struggles, then we're right back into the conversation about you know how long you continue the Dean Kramer experiment this season. So Dean Kramer is on the mound tonight. And then I wanted to share this one piece of audio with you. This I mentioned that Reed and I were on 105.7 The Fan yesterday. Um, when you're doing radio and there's an event, another sporting event going on, it's, it's largely known you're not supposed to be doing play-by-play. That's somewhere else. But sometimes things occur that make it very difficult to not react to what you're witnessing with your eyes. And Reed and I were doing a segment yesterday, and she was trying to get me because she was going on about the finale of Snowfall. Mm-hmm. And I, I like started Snowfall years ago, but then took a break from it, and I need to go back. I, it, I tried to start shrinking this weekend because Jeremy keeps asking me to watch it. I don't know, man. The first episode, yeah, like, really? I, it was I, it was kind of a chore to me. Well, like after I watched uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I do. I, I'm a big Jason Siegel guy. Well, Jason Siegel's amazing. Yes, yes, Jason, uh, did so, we ever do that? I don't think we ever did. All right, we'll have to got do that. that one in the chamber. We'll have to do yeah. that one because Forgetting Sarah Marshall is the most important film. Again, I'm working on my Forgetting Sarah Marshall podcast <laughs> that I'm going to launch at some point. Um, but something happened as she was talking to me about Snowfall, out of my the corner of my eye. And I just couldn't help myself. And it led to some really fun radio. This is from yesterday on 105.7 The Fan. I'll it's a it fantastic out. show. I'll write it out. So, yes, check it out. It was it was excellent. Mateo's really going to go for home plate. Yeah, baby. He is a psychopath. Yeah, Holy saying. crap. I love it. I love it. Dude, when the left I fielder, I'm it. sorry. I know we're not supposed to do play-by-play on. Like, I love it. Mateo the... is insane, and I love it. What a psychopath, Jorge right, Mateo! Is. I love Mateo for just saying balls to the walls. There, let's Yo. go. All right, I'm sorry. All right, All we, right. we got to so, get a break. So you know, is? sometimes you see some things, and you just don't have a choice but to react to what you're seeing. Like, what the hell? And credit has to be given to Tony Mancellini. No, no question. Tony yeah. Mancellini, absolutely. Gutsy send. And it worked a, out. That is a hell of a send. Jorge Mateo is yes, very, yes. very fast. No, it works that. I was actually, because at, at first, because again, we're doing radio at the same time, I was hoping that he ran through a stop sign. <laughs> like, I was hoping that was what we were going to find out, is that Jorge Mateo is just, a, just an ins- truly as insane as I would suggest, a true psychopath. But no, to your point, Mancellino absolutely gave him the uh, the go, and it worked out brilliantly, and it saved the Orioles' bacon yesterday mm-hmm. on a day where they could do very little offensively. Jorge Mateo's speed was the ultimate uh, difference maker. That and the Tigers not being able to get a ball. Literally, just throw a, throw a ball that the catcher can catch. 
Those were the two stories <laughs> as to why the Orioles won the baseball game yesterday. But uh, that was a moment that certainly was uh, was electric for us as we were responding to what it was that we were seeing and, and what was a pretty damn great play from Jorge Mateo yeah. and a reminder of just how special he's been to start the season this More year. More importantly, looks like his hip is fine. Yes, appears so, to be just... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if that's on a damaged hip, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy crap. All right, there you go. That was from yesterday on 105.7 The Fan. Hey, today's show is brought to you. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to say it's brought to you. It's just going to be a reminder that you can win from PressBox. Have you seen all of Maryland's minor league baseball parks? PressBox is giving you the chance to check all of them out this summer. Head over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams, one Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25, and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms to help you get around. You must be 18 or older to enter, and the sweepstakes ends June 14th, so get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now to sign up. When we come back in, Tony Skin is going to join us, former Maryland assistant. Now he's the head man at his alma mater, George Mason. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm, Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab-eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge, 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab-eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. 
Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out PressBoxOnline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Have been wanting to catch up with our next guest. Uh, Obviously, for folks down in the Northern Virginia and D.C. areas, this is an incredibly cool story of him coming all the way back home and taking over now as the head coach at his alma mater, a place where... He helped lead to the Final Four once upon a time. We appreciated all the effort that he put in last season at the University of Maryland. He is George Mason, head basketball coach, Tony Skin, and he is with us now here on GCR. Coach, it's Glenn up in Baltimore. It's great to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time, and congratulations, man. Thank you so much, Glenn. Definitely. uh Appreciate you guys having me on board, man. Exciting times in Fairfax right now. I have no doubt that's true. And I, I just, the, the, this seems like one of the great stories in college basketball to me, Coach, right? Like, for this to work out this way to you, um, I, how emotional were you about this opportunity? And can you put into words what it means for you to be the head coach at George Mason? Oh, man, I'm still, I'm still, uh, I'm still going through it, man, you know, with everything that's going on logistically just trying to figure things out trying to manage um this new opportunity man it's um i haven't even had time to really soak it in just yet you know went through such a quick transition from you know competing in the ncaa tournament i'll take that back actually you know big 10 tournament to (laughs) the ncaa tournament and then going through this process where i didn't really know which direction um they were going to go you know i was happy at maryland we had a really really Mm -hmm. good thing rolling it so it just happened so fast and, um, you know, still trying to figure the thing out as I transition. You, you know, did you have a moment where you looked around and allowed yourself to sort of soak it all in? As much as you're going through the insanity of all of this and, like, you know, trying to get mm-hmm. your feet wet and, you know, you got to do paperwork and you got to be reminded, like, hey, here's how things have changed over the years, things like that. Did you allow yourself a moment to sort of look around like, wow, this is this is real. This has really happened. I'm really back here and I'm doing this. Yeah, I would, I would say probably a couple of days leading into um, the press conference um, as they started to put kind of the tribute video together um, that was really personalized to kind of retell the story of kind of what myself and my teammates did back in 06. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the moment that it, it kind of hit me, you know, maybe a day or two leading to the presser. And then obviously the press conference in itself, you know, just seeing all those familiar faces, um, you, you know, gave me, it gave me a sense of comfort, you know, because again, you, you take on a new job like most coaches do. You don't really know the place. Yep. Um, and for me, that was the one thing that just kind of stood out seeing my former teammates, you know, seeing certain people in admin that were there, um, I think that's when it all kind of just hit me, man, because the last time I saw those faces, you know, I was 21 years old, you know, yeah. so I would say my press conference. Yeah, my friend Bill Rowland's still there all these years later. He, isn't, he hasn't oh, yeah. gone oh, yeah. anywhere. He's still Bill, 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 Bill was the MC, man, so like I said, I went yeah. from being you know, a little nervous to being a little bit more comfortable when I saw guys like Bill. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Coach, uh, I, I want to talk about your time in Maryland, but before we do that, can you – it, it is a different world, right? Like, since you were there as a player, uh, a conference change, 
and maybe a little bit more difficult. Although I think people forget how good the CAA was when you guys yeah. were in it back then. What all else has changed? Like, how is it different now at George Mason than maybe it was in the mid two thousands? And then, you know, what what gives you the confidence that you can step right back in and sort of get that program right back to that point where you can compete to make NCAA tournament runs? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's a different place for sure. Um, I would say just the landscape in general. You know, I'm biased. You know, the DMV is a place where. And I've said this before, and I'll continue to say it. You can find talent, and, and there's enough talent in this area to where, you know, after Georgetown and Maryland snatches up the high-level guys, there's still enough guys for this level to be able to compete in the A-10. And like you said, you know, the CAA was a really, really good league. I think people forget how good VCU was. Obviously, yeah. we, we did our thing, but, like, the Wilmington was really good. Hofstra was really good. Um you know, this league is just as competitive. And, and I think there is a, you know, there's a certain level of demographic, not only in this area, but really nationally to where you can get the right pieces to be able to compete and win this league. Um, you know, the experience that I've had in different places and just learning how to navigate, um, getting the right guys. You know, obviously <laughs> it's a little bit different now too with the portal. Um, watching high school is, is definitely important. Um, but it's, it's just having a, a really good balance. But just to go back to your original question, man, it's a different place. But, again, the one thing that I was comfortable with in going through the process is, you know, when most people go through that process, they don't know or expect anything. And I kind of had the cheat code of just knowing certain things that made me comfortable with, you know, coming back to my alma mater. That's really cool. Tony Skin, George Mason basketball coach, with us here on GCR. Coach, obviously, you know, you spent last season with Kevin Willard, but you had spent time with him before that, and that kind of jumped out to me as Maryland fans got really excited about this guy in a very short amount of time. Right? <laughs> you, yeah. you clearly <laughs> think something about the guy because you signed up for him twice. <laughs> um, what, oh, is, yeah. what is it to you that makes Kevin Willard so special, and why were you guys able it, – it's so difficult when you come in – and you're you're left with you know what you're left with, and you don't have the opportunity to get a recruiting class in. How were you guys able to do this so quickly and get this thing turned around? Well, yeah, for sure. For one, I've spent you know three years, three plus years with them um, in South Orange at Seton Hall, and I didn't want to leave then, to be honest with you. Um, it's getting that opportunity to just make a jump in my career to go to Ohio State, where you know jobs like that if you don't play there or if you're not on a staff that, sure. you know, maybe bumped up and got the job there, it's hard to get those jobs. And so for me, having that opportunity to just kind of grow, it was something that, you know, I, I reluctantly did. Um, but the irony in the full circle of basketball, man, it brought, it brought, you know, coach Willard back to Maryland and, um, you know, I was his first call. And so for me, it was, a, it was a no brainer to have a chance to come back home with somebody that I was familiar with, it all just kind of happened, man. And, uh, you know, I, I knew what Kevin Willard could bring to um, Maryland. Um, I think there were a lot of people initially that, you know, they wanted a bigger name, a sexier name or whatever it may be. But I knew with the way he worked and with the way we were going to assemble that staff, you know, we were going to appease to um, the diehard Maryland fans, as I would say. It. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but, you know, Kevin Willard, uh, you know, he's a real person. You know, he's a fun, fun person to work around, work for, and he really gives his assistants um, and the staff just, you know, autonomy to 
kind of be themselves um, and to help him, you know, so I enjoyed my time with him and, you know, it was, it wasn't easy leaving, but this was probably the oh, only I, yeah. um, situation. Yeah. It would have been the only situation that I, you know, had no choice. I, I think about. everybody on the planet understands your decision. coach. I think <laughs> it's really easy to figure out why it was the right move for you to make. I, what I'm interested in too, is the, the, the guys that you inherited, right? Like Juju Reese mm-hmm. and then bringing in um, a Jameer young and a local kid mm-hmm. and how much it meant. You also know, because you helped put together this recruiting class that Kevin Willard's going to have. Absolutely. Next year. I, maybe there's a world in which you're trying to get them on the schedule next year and you don't want to talk them up too much. So like, <laughs> I'll, I'll understand if you got to be careful on this, but I, I think there's a real excitement level. And of course we all know there's another name that lingers out there that Maryland's trying to land and that would be significant. But um, like what, what this, that program might be capable of when you say, Hey, it was difficult to leave is part of that thinking like out loud the talent base that they have, there's a chance for Maryland to make a really deep type of tournament run a year from now. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, you know, that was part of it, you know, cause I helped recruit some, you know, those kids. And when you build, when you build that, um, that type of rapport and trust, you know, it's, it's really, really hard. And, um, you know, with that said, I mean, that class is, I mean, I'm excited. Even though I'm gonna be wearing green and green and um and gold, man, yeah. I'm I'm cheering on for the turfs, man, because you know Deshaun Harris Smith, who I think is a pro, Jamie Kaiser, who I think is a pro. John is gonna be really, really, really good. You know, it's definitely exciting times in College Park, and it's it's still growing. You know, they're in the mix with some high level, um, you know, transfers now and high level 2024. I think the best the best uh days of Maryland ba- basketball is ahead. You know, it's it, you guys got a chance to see how exciting um, that program is based on Kevin Willard's, um, you know, basketball mind. And that only, that only gets better once you have an opportunity to really start putting, putting the pieces together that you actually recruit and not necessarily inherited. And it's no knock to some of those guys because that, that perfect balance um, is what made it so good this past year and having guys like Juju who still has, you know, two more years to play. I mean, it's, you know, skies is the limit for sure in College Park. Um, I want to come back to you for a second. I was talking to uh, our buddy Dwayne Simpkins the other day, and and I love Dwayne. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. And he threw out this, like, kind of idea. You referenced the the way things would change now with NIL and the portal, but he threw out this idea of, like, man, I'm going to be bugging, you know, Willard. I'm going to say – if you've got a guy there that just can't crack through, give him my number. <laughs> like I, I want to, I want to work that way, and I'll go the same way. If I've got a guy that's having success that wants a cha- higher challenge, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll give him your number, and we'll try to make something mm-hmm. like this work. And it was kind of crazy when he presented it because I was like, well, I've never heard of anything like that before, and I get that you're at a higher level. I understand that there, like a George Mason is a higher place than American is. But but like, is uh-huh. there some world where like coaching connection wise now, you guys can start doing those types of things and saying, hey, look, I, we get it now. This is just the way the sport is going to work moving forward. We need to try to maybe forge some partnerships and find places where we can find the right fit for the right guy as their career goes along. Yeah, it's the crazy it's the crazy world of recruiting, man. It, it, it's I'm glad Dwayne said that because it's been going on anyway. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, 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 the word for it is probably tampering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> coaches have been doing this for a long time. Um, but when you're in the DMV, man, you know, the business, you know, it's hard to make everybody happy. 
you know, expectations are, you know, they're always different with different guys. I think the portals allow for, for guys to be able to make decisions good and bad. And so if that's the case and you know that it's always helpful when you're communicating, especially locally to see what makes sense. If a kid's going to leave good or bad, you know, maybe he makes a lot more sense for somebody else or he fits somebody else. That's just the way it works, man. It's, it's free agency. Yep. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking the same thing alongside with, um, you know, with Dwayne I mean, making sure that we can communicate and somehow help each other in this crazy landscape. Dude, I, it's it's a wild thing to think about, but it makes all the sense in the world, and it seems like it'd be beneficial to the kids too, right? Like that, hey, I I have you, you know, Tony Skin, have all of these relationships all over the country, and and why wouldn't you use those to try to benefit someone who's trying to be in the right spot for them? Yeah, no, no question. You know, it's um. <laughs> the ever evolving portal, man. Right. If you can, if you can figure it out to, to where it's helping your program, but then also helping these kids. Because at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Um, just making sure at the end of the day, you you understand the grass is not always greener on the other side. But yep. if you have a relationship where it makes sense, you know this is a better fit for you. I tell guys that all the time. You don't have to necessarily come here and play for us or play for me. Um, but there's certain places that if you're going to make a change, make sure it makes sense. I, I completely get it, man. I totally understand what it is that you're saying. Coach Tony Skin, uh, now at the, his alma mater, George Mason, getting ready to play. Was there was there one thing that when you showed back up on campus, and maybe you've gotten some opportunities to go back to campus so it wasn't that big of a deal, but was there one thing that when you showed back up on campus you were like, I got to go over and do this, I got to go over and see this, it's been too long. Did you have a moment like that when you got back? Yeah, I mean, it's um, when I came in for the interview, I think that um, – I had to GPS my way out of campus, man. <laughs> when I was when I was here, uh, you know, Mason is is basically inside what's called the Patriot Circle. It's like a big track, and everything was inside of that circle. Now there's so much stuff outside of the circle. Just getting out of campus, I really GPS out of campus. That's so, so funny. I um, I'm st- I'm still learning my way around here, man. This university is is, is ever growing. Um, and it's, it's, it's a unique place and I'm not saying that cause I'm an alum. It's, it's really a place where, you know, I get a chance to kind of see it from a different lens now. Um, as a, you know, as a player was one thing, but now as a coach, it's completely different. And, you know, I'm excited, man. It's a, uh, it's a dream. It's truly a dream come true. All right. And then the other thing we got to ask before we let you go, how do you explain the Kevin Willard coaching tree bearing so much fruit now, man? Like it's, everybody's getting head coaching jobs. <laughs> Mike, it's it's a, it's crazy, right? I I tweeted, I would say I tweeted maybe. This is probably prior to when everybody started, I guess you know, evaluating that and putting it out on social media that this tree's growing. But I tweeted something when I knew Grant was right there and I had just taken his job. Um, but I mean, again, he's 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 that's the type of leader that he's been. I know for me, you know, he gave me a chance. Um, you know, in 2018 and jump on board to be on his staff. And I, I learned so much because he put me in that position where you know, I was trying to figure things out that, that I had never done before as an assistant. Um, and that grew, you know, in three years. And when I came back to Maryland, even more and just understanding, you know, kind of what I knew he needed, and certain things that he knew he wanted and all those things aligned and put me in a position to be in this situation. And Grant Bill Meyer has done that for 10 plus years with them. And yeah. so, yeah, the coaching tree is definitely uh, ever grown. If you had Tavon Sadler, who we brought on this time last year, man, it's uh, 
you know, I give my, my, my guys got it. We got to give him his flowers. It's awesome, man. Uh, we are excited about that. Very excited for you, Coach. It's an awesome opportunity for you to be back at your alma mater. I know how fired up everybody down there is. Congratulations. Thanks for everything that you did in a short time at Maryland. It was a really special season for Maryland fans uh, to watch what you guys were able to accomplish uh, in getting that thing turned around. We'll be rooting for you. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. No, thank you very much, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Coach Tony Skin, um, former Maryland assistant, now at his alma mater, George Mason, where, of course, he was part of that legendary Final Four team, uh, taking some time for us. And, yeah, Tavon Sadler, add him to the list, Baltimore native, who was the director of ops at Maryland a season ago and is now the head coach at Nichols, where it was his alma mater. So kind of crazy, kind of crazy that three people that were part of Kevin Willard's staff a year ago are now all Division I head coaches just a year later. You hope that it's a sign about Kevin Willard and about what people think about Kevin Willard and the people that he surrounds himself with. So a uh, pretty cool story. Obviously, down in D.C., it's a very cool story for them that uh, Tony Skin comes home to take over at George Mason. Hour number one of today's show is in the books. It has also been brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Jeremy Kahn is going to join us a little bit earlier this week. He'll, in fact, join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson looks at the pipeline of talent still to come for the Orioles. Diving in on last year's number one pick, Jackson Holiday, and other top prospects like Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kobe Mayo, and more. Also inside, Todd Karpovich profiles Orioles pitcher Kyle Gibson. And Bo Smolka breaks down what progress would mean for the team's 2022 draft picks in their second pro season. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farms stores and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com That first sip That first bite mm. Starts your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world At Royal Farms, breakfast is available daily Day and night, it's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Hartford Community College in Bel Air, Maryland, along with the National Junior College Athletic Association's Region 20, will host the 2023 NJCAA Men's Lacrosse National Championship May 13th and 14th at Hartford Sports Complex, 401 Thomas Run Road in Bel Air. Semifinals are on Saturday, May 13th. The National Championship is Sunday, May 14th. Catch the action for $10 each day. Tickets will be available in advance or at the gate on game day. Qualifying teams will be announced. What air conditioning company can save 50% of your energy cost and qualify you for up to $7,500 in rebates? 
A.J. Michaels. We do more, we do it better for less. In Baltimore and Annapolis, ajmichaels.com. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline. And you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grindr. Not that I know what's on Grindr or anything, I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Monday edition of the program. Into hour number two of the show, Stan the Fan, Ross Grimsley will be with you tonight. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports, YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline, or PressBoxOnline.com slash video tomorrow if you miss it. And I have to be honest, I don't remember who the guest is. Or he didn't tell me, and that's the reason why I'm blanking all of a sudden. So I apologize for that wholeheartedly because I started doing the read and then realized I don't remember who it is. But I'm sure it's going to be great. And you want to watch it at facebook.com slash pressboxsports. All right. Uh, we're going to do this a little bit earlier than we normally do because we're moving some things around this hour. Of course, this man, you hear him on the Big Bad Morning Show on 105.7 The Fan. You see some pics every day at pressboxonline.com. But now you can also find him at his very own subscription site, where I am pretty pissed off, Jeremy Khan, because I signed up a week ago and I haven't gotten a single picture of your feet yet. What the hell is going on over there? Oh, it's not that kind of site. I'm what? I'm actually what? taking pictures of my bee hole in the mirror. So oh. it's, no, it's a it's a pic site. See that's oh. that's just creepy. Oh. Um, oh. but no, that's yeah, I, I, this has been something a long time in the making, and, and I've loved everything I've done with Pressbox, and I'll continue writing, and I'll be putting up some some plays for Pressbox still. But a bulk of my stuff is going to go to ConcreteLocks.com, which I'm I'm pretty happy about it. Some people were pissed off, but you know that's how it goes. But, well, I'm pissed uh, off. I'm do? furious. I hate you. I don't think we're ever going to talk again, frankly. Well, my so my site like it costs four dollars and ninety nine cents, and then there's mm. other packages that we put together. I mean, for you, I get you the big package. Yeah, you do. Uh, I know you don't like yeah. the little packages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's, no, and also yeah, there's some yeah, called you ever the, uh, you ever you ever watch porn? Do you like the guys with the big wieners or the little wieners? Well, you're not oh, all the way no. straight. No. <laughs> Bring it back. So, Bring it back. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. You were plugging your website. I def- I let it go to the Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> no, somebody started calling me, and my phone went right to uh, my my uh, Bluetooth. Oh, so sorry. Oh, um, you're good. Yeah, I'm trying to get that figured out. No, but like somebody called me a greedy douchebag, and I'm like, it literally costs like 13 cents a day or whatever, 20 cents a day. So you figured out. But um, yeah, you know, it's just it's been a long time coming, and I'm happy to do it now. So well, I, for the record, I think you're a greedy douchebag for what it's worth. So let me get I do too. let me get this straight. By the way, I I thought I blocked my number so you couldn't see who it was that had sent you that message. <laughs> Um, let me get this straight. I'm not going to get any naked pictures from signing up for this website. Oh, I didn't say that. Okay. All right. That's, that's the part. I need that to be a surprise for everyone. All right. What I'm is assuming it? it's mostly dudes. All right. Let me do the actual plug for you. What are people getting when they sign up for Concrete Locks? And that's C-O-N-N, like Jeremy Conn, yeah. ConcreteLocks.com. So uh, for four ninety nine a month, I do a daily podcast every single day. It's usually anywhere from you know, uh, 10 to, it could be 30 minutes, although most of them have been around 10 to 15 so far. Um, and then, you know, I talk about picks, I talk about what happened before, uh, the night before and some of the other games. And, and then I break down some of the games I like for today. Um, that being said, usually I put out about 10 to 12 plays, my top two plays or whatever it may be, depending on the sport are going to go to clients that are buying packages. Cause I have to hit a certain percentage. 
the rest of it gets given out to all the rest of you know the people that sign up for the 499 so you are getting my picks you're getting picks that i'm going to bet that i'm going to play um the other ones because i have to hit a percentage and it wouldn't be if i'm charging people money for other picks it wouldn't be right for me to just give them out to everybody else so uh, that's where we're at and um moving forward with it so 499 gets you quite a bit all right, and then I see that there's like uh, other packages where, and again, I you know me, I'm a man who enjoys other packages. Um, well, if you've noticed, my largest package is called the Glenn Clark. I, it's so, so weird how that worked out. I appreciate yeah. that. That what an honor. I mean, it's a little bit of false advertising, but I still appreciate it nonetheless. Oh no, I know two Glenn Clarks. The other one's That's, very large. See, that so. makes way more sense now. <laughs> makes way more sense. So how does this work? If I if I fork over, if I say Jeremy Khan. Here's twenty five hundred dollars of my hard earned money. What am uh, I getting for my twenty five hundred dollars? I don't know what that pack like. So my salesman is setting it up. Everybody's getting two hundred bucks off the first package. Like there's some smaller stuff on there. I mean, you can you can buy it and check it out. But if I don't for my plays, if I don't hit sixty percent, you get the next group for free. You know, so you could end up buying it and then getting it for free. But uh, I, during baseball season, I'm telling you, I'm going to hit sixty percent quite a bit. All right. Very good. And again, you can find all of that right now at Concrete Locks. That's C O N N C R E T E. Can't wait till people do sign on and see it's just a strictly feet site. Right. That I just send the pictures. Yeah. That's all it is. There's no gambling thing. It's weird. I've actually been selling pictures of your feet for years. That's the funny part about (laughs) all of this. It's been very, very lucrative for me. So I appreciate the fact that I think that little piggy should have went to market a long time ago. (laughs) All right. Jeremy Conn, 1057, the fan. All right, I want to get your. I want to get an unbiased. We're going to have Al Bernstein on later in the hour to talk about Tank. Um, is it as significant as Showtime wants you to believe it was? What happened on Saturday night? It's... Yeah, because Ryan Garcia is a really good fighter. I think Tank's better than him. But as I said, oh my, I'm not a Tank guy. I don't. I'm not a fan of his. I think he's a great boxer. Um, but just because he's from Baltimore doesn't mean I'm going to root for him. <laughs> you know, I've said that multiple times. That being said, he he's a great fighter. And he hit him with a body shot that just dropped him. And uh, I do think it's a big fight, but this legitimately, this is the first big fight Tanks had, in my opinion, right. or at least borderline big fight. He fights more on Twitter with good fighters than he does in the ring. So uh, I know that's going to upset a lot of Baltimore people. Like, oh, it's, be a, it's, it's, it's part of the posturing that is the sport now. I get that. But, like, I just want to – we haven't seen – like Errol Spence now, that the fight that's supposed to happen that's coming up, we've been waiting for this fight forever. Now we're finally going to get it? Like, did we get Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather when De La Hoya was probably out of his prime? Sure. Um, and, you know, we got the results we got. But I, I do think it's a big fight for Tank, and it's a good win. I guess the question that comes, do you believe that we're going to see Davis, Devin Haney, or now does, does the Mayweather camp say, well, we gave you guys a big fight. We gave you one of the ones that you wanted. Now we need to run off, like, you know, especially since he's probably going to have to serve some jail time here in the span of the next couple of years. Now we're going to run off a few of those fights just to take some paydays and, and build up the record, and then maybe we'll think about a real fight again in a couple of years. They might, but it's so silly. Like, we get caught up in the wins and losses of fighters. Like, I just want to see great fighters fight. You know, I want to see – like, Ed was, Ed was going over Jake Lamato when he fought Sugar Ray Robinson. I mean, he fought him six times, and there were a couple times he would fight him three weeks apart. You know, like it's the game is the boxing game is totally different now. But I don't know that you need to pick everybody else that's not in the top three of the top ten and fight them, and you know, try to build up your resume. Like, let's see him fight. I I was in New Jersey watching an undefeated Jewish fighter that they were trying to push really hard. He was good, <clears throat> not great, and he fought uh, you know basically a journeyman Mexican fighter, and the guy beat his ass. 
The Mexican fighter just beat his ass for 10 rounds. And at the end of the 10 rounds, because he didn't knock him out, you already know who won the fight, the undefeated fighter. So uh, they, they move it on to him. They give him the win when he had no – I'm not even sure the guy won a round, but they gave him the fight because they wanted to push this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think all the guys you're talking about in the top there, Haney, Lomachenko, I, I think all those guys are legit, um, but I just want to see Tank fight them. I, I I agree, and I think it's best for this. And I think that was the real thing about Saturday night that was so important was it was great for boxing, right? Like it was a mm-hmm. really important. Hey, this feels legitimate. This isn't just we're not just going through the motions here. This feels like a real thing, and that got some electricity and that got some excitement. And it wasn't Jake Paul fighting; it was an actual fighter at the top of his game fighting another actual fighter at the top of his game. And I do understand the way the sport works. Like, you can't do that every time out. But if you could just do it, I don't know, once a year at least, boy, it would go a long way for the health of the sport on the whole. Yeah, I mean, I feel like these guys should be fighting at least two or three times a year. But, but, but no, I mean, we'll drag it out. We'll make right, this happen. So. Right, exactly. It's, just, it, 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 it's odd, man. Like, and we were talking, like, basketball, horse racing, and baseball were the three biggest sports. Uh, for what, a century in the U.S.? Yep. I mean, they were up there at the top and, and three of the oldest sports we have. And when you look at it, like, horse racing and boxing have believed to be dying. Baseball is going to be fine. but And I don't think the other sports are dying, but the heavyweight division in boxing is awful. And they've split up into all these other different weight classes and all these different belts that everyone's a champion now. And it's it's just watered down because everybody needs to make money. And that's the bottom line is that it's the the almighty dollar that matters more than anything else. Is it is it definitive? All that stuff they were doing on Saturday night about the face of boxing, right? Which I get was just it was promotional appeal for the fight. Like I understand why they were doing it, but is there any legitimacy at all now to of actual boxers, Gervonta Davis now being the biggest, most marketable star in the world at this point? Uh, he's up there. He's definitely up there with some of these other. And the fact that he's brash. Um, and he talks trash. I think that feeds into it a little bit. But, you know, it is funny, though. If you ask the, your average fan, your average sports fan, who are the three best boxers pound for pound right now, I think they'd have a hard time naming three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of it, I don't even think they would get the top three, specifically the ones that should be mentioned that, that are great fighters and even some of the young guys that are on the come now. But, um, but it's not like it's, – it's just bad. It, like when you promote a fight, and you get out there and you watch a guy, uh, it's supposed to be a great fight, embarrass another fighter. And that's not what we got Saturday. But this happens from time to time. And, you know, it, 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 I think it pushes guys away from paying for it. I, I almost feel like the UFC has got it right, where they're, they're kind of planning these fights out, making them. But at some point, they're going to get to it, too, where they want to keep these records up, I believe, you know, where they start mixing it up a little bit more. He is Jeremy Kahn, 105.7 The Fan, Big Bad Morning Show. He is with us here on GCR. Jeremy, earlier in the show, I was talking about you know how silly it was that a week ago we were all panicked about Orioles pitching, and here we are one week later, and they're the mid '90s Atlanta Braves with Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. Um, I don't know how to measure the fact that this week they got to face the Tigers and the Nationals and they stink, versus the fact they struggled at the beginning of the year. I, I, I are you at a place where you are now suddenly comfortable with the Orioles pitching, or are you still like, hey? Let's see how it goes over the next three days against the Red Sox before we really start to sell ourselves in the last week really meaning anything. I mean, here's what I'll say. Do I think the Orioles pitching is good enough to get them in the postseason? Sure. Um, I think they could make that run. I, I think a lot of the other parts are really good to help carry them. 
but that being said, like if they get in the postseason with this pitching, do I think they can win? More than likely not. You know, like stranger things have happened, but at, at some point you you've got to go out and spend on frontline pitchers or grow them within your farm system. I think Grayson's future is bright. Um, I like what what I'm seeing from him outside of you know he's getting himself in some jams, but he's found ways to get out of it. Yep. That being said, I, I I still feel like that there needs to be some improvements in that staff. It'd be nice to have somebody. That, you know, look, every time, De- and I'm not saying you're going to find a DeGrom or a Garrett Cole, but every time those guys take the mound, you expect to win. You don't always win, but you expect to win. And it'd be nice to have one of those guys on this roster because they're not there yet. Like, you know, Grayson's good, but every time he takes the mound, do I expect him to win right now? No. I think the point is that, like, after the first two weeks of the season, what you just said there I think is important. Because I think after the first two weeks of the season, I was leaning more towards the pitching could genuinely be the undoing of this team to end up falling short, right? Like, when Cole Irvin stunk and Dean Kramer stunk and the bullpen stunk, and I'm like, man, I I don't know that I see it. I don't know that I buy that they're going to end up having enough to get through to the end of the year. Now, again, at that point, I had no idea that Yanir Cano was going to prove to be a revelation. And again, get back to me in a month. Who knows what we're going to be talking about at that point. But I do think that just to say there's enough stability there that this is they've got enough pitching to get to the postseason, I think is a step up from where we thought we might have been after the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, and so the other thing is the bullpen has the best strikeout-to-walk ratio of any team in, in Major League Baseball right now. They're number one at over 20.6%, which is impressive. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, hey, it's, it's the pitching looks good because you face the Tigers and the Oakland A's and, and even the White Sox who were all banged up. And I'm going, okay. And then we talked about it today with Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has faced pretty much the same teams that the Orioles have faced, the Tigers, the A's, the Nats. And, you know, they're just above them, and nobody questions them because they have a little bit more of a track record. I, I just think that we haven't seen the Orioles do it long enough to really believe that this group is good enough to get it done. And, yeah. and again, I don't think they're good enough – really to get it done but the analytics I, I feel like management and this this front office and how they've used some of the statistics really benefit them uh this team that like the wall and all the other stuff that's that's factored in you're watching guys looking at numbers i was watching trey mancini with the cubs and he was going over all their analytical stuff in the dugout it's kind of it's just it's a bigger part of the game now no no question and I, I, to your point all things, i think by the way also and i'm writing about it today at pressboxonline.com I am really fascinated by the decision that they could end up having to make here in the next two weeks about you know when Tate and Givens come back, if nobody else gets hurt, and if nobody goes on bereavement or whatever. I am fascinated by what it is that they're going to have to do here as they decide who's getting sent down and you know measuring Austin and both being out of options versus the fact that Cano and Bauman have been nails this season. Mm-hmm. I think it presents like a really unique test for an organization that at this point is supposed to be you know, prioritizing and all about winning versus roster manipulation in the coming weeks. Yeah, I, I start to wonder, too, like, all right, so for me, Vogt is a guy that he has not looked good. He has not looked like he looked last year. And if we look at his career as a whole, I think maybe last year might be a bit of the outlier, yep. um, more so than the other year. So I could see him getting waved bye-bye if we went the old Joe Angel route. Uh, but I, also, I could see them going with a shorter bench with, Adam Frazier's ability to play the outfield. Well, don't they, don't, don't you have outfielder. to have 13 pitchers now, isn't it? Or, or, or you have to have at least 13. Can you do 14 and 12 with pitchers? I think you can. Okay. You can go with a shorter bench, right? You have to have a certain amount of pitchers. Yeah, I, but you don't have to have a certain uh, number of position players. You might be right about that. I don't uh, – I mean, I might be wrong, too. So that 
uh, that's because of some like even some of these new things that have been implemented in know, baseball. Right? Like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm still catching up on some of it. Like even with the um, you know, the pitch clock, watching some of these guys and their ways around it. Uh, and they they were ta- who was it? Um, oh, Wade Miley is a guy that uh, like teams, likes to pitch teams really are, fast. The and teams think, are limited to carrying thirteen pitchers. Okay, so yeah. maybe that's what it is then. All right, all right well. Then they'll have to make a tough decision, and that's and that's what's fascinating to me, right? Like it really does present. Mm-hmm. I, I I know it's a small thing, but I wrote this morning about how I appreciated that they didn't try to force Politi onto the roster this year. That like, yes, you want to use your Rule Five pick, fine. And if that guy comes in and like mows everybody down in spring training, and you say, well, maybe we found something here, and you throw him on the roster, and it doesn't, you know, you you measure it during the season. If he legitimately can get major league hitters out, by all means, keep him. If he can't, you got to give him up. They said, look, he stunk in the spring. We can't waste a roster spot on carrying someone who, who knows? We were talking earlier. Like once upon a time, they found Nestor Cortez. But they said we can't waste a roster spot on someone that can't help us right now. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes, it's a bummer that Nestor Cortez proved to be really good and you ended up stinking for a few years and you sure as hell could have used a Nestor Cortez. And it's even worse because he's a Yankee. But at the time, I will always appreciate it. It's when we talk about the Arietta thing. I get it. It stinks that Jake Arietta went on to become a superstar with the Chicago Cubs, but we all remember what the feeling was. It was the, the, they had no choice at that point. They needed someone on the roster that could help them win at the time, and Jake Arietta wasn't doing it. I will always he had a appreciate. Seven run ERA. Oh, like, it was it was an abomination. So I'll always yeah. appreciate a team saying we need to do what's best right now. Does it mean I'll crucify them if they send Bauman down or Cano down and? keep both around i don't know i mean i don't know if it's the end of the world because they'll probably make another roster move two weeks later when somebody gets hurt but i i think it presents them the opportunity to remind the fan base hey look we get it right now we are going to prioritize winning and whatever that means we will prioritize it over trying to manipulate the roster to keep it around a guy that frankly doesn't have that much of an upside yeah and i look those are all going to be tough decisions you brought up like the way some of these guys are pitching right now and I hope they make the right one. I hope it's not, hey, we'll see if, like, the vote thing to me is it's a no-brainer uh, if he's pitching the way he's pitching once those guys are ready right. to come back that he's one of those spots. But, you know, they might have to make a tough cut elsewhere. And, and I, but one of the big problems I have with trades or when you send guys down, like, I, I'm not worried about what they go and do with another team. It's one thing to say that you traded a guy too soon. But, like, for all the people that were screaming, oh, my God, we gave up Josh Hader, yeah, but you got Andrew Miller back, and he met, you got that run to the postseason. It just didn't work out. I don't have a problem with things like that. Um, but ultimately, I think fans get caught up in it when they bring up guys like even Kevin Gosman to a degree. It, I don't know if it was the up and down here. They changed some things when he left, going yep. to the National League. He got his confidence yep. back, and now he's a top-tier pitcher, which a lot of us believe he could be here. Jake Arrieta had completely lost it, you know? So um, I just – they always say he had the best stuff on the team, and then as soon as he went to Chicago – and. You know, they, they send him down to Iowa. He's, he's pitching great. They call him up, and he went to damn Cy Young. You know, hats off to him. All right. Now, I, I need you to step in on this because okay. of all of the bizarre things that got traction that I have tweeted out. I, I throw so many things out there on Twitter that I think are great and nobody cares about. And then mm-hmm. I'll throw out something that's an utter nothing, and all of a sudden it becomes very controversial. I tweeted about the stupid brick last night. All I said was, I've thought about it all day. It's a terrible gift. I know we all want it to be thoughtful 
And maybe we'd think it was because we love the warehouse, and maybe we'd think it was, like, because we care, but it's terrible. Intentions were good, and I don't even know that the brick actually made its way back to the team charter. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Miguel Cabrera just left it in the clubhouse. Because yeah. it's an effing brick. Now, part of the problem is that uh, our friend Lacey DaCosta jumped in and reminded me that, like, she's got family connections to the warehouse, and so she thought it would be neat, and I was like, I understand that. And again, I think it would be neat. If somebody said, here, I'm going to give you a brick from the BNO warehouse to me, Glenn Clark, it would be very cool. But we all have to be willing to acknowledge it's an awful gift, right? Like, at that point, what? why are we even giving a gift if that's the gift we're giving? I thought it was a brick of cocaine. It's not a, <laughs> an actual it's brick. It's an actual brick. It's just oh, that's a, got no resale value in the open market. Right. Well, I mean, it's so, cool if I, you hand it to somebody who's an Orioles fan. Like, if you, if on the way out of the ballpark, you turn around and say, hey, by the way, you know, little Jimmy, this is a, a brick from the B&O warehouse. Like, a kid wouldn't get that, but maybe an adult would be like, yeah, that's kind of neat. Like, I'll keep that at my house. But for Miguel Cabrera? Like, what? See, but I don't, I don't get some of this. Like, the brick thing, it doesn't bother me the way it bothers you. Like, oh, no, no. It's somewhat uh, that, of a weird gift. By the way, by the way, I want to be clear. It doesn't bother me. That It was a throwaway. Okay. It was an utter throwaway where I, like, I kept trying to think of myself, like, I think they meant well by it. But what is this? <laughs> like, what in like, the world? I get why we did something for David Ortiz with the history with the Red Sox, but I, I don't understand. Like, Miguel Cabrera is a great player. Show his highlight reel. Show when the Orioles tried to uh, intentionally walk him and they left it hanging a little bit towards the yes. plate. He belted it. Yep. So, like, you know, show some of the other highlights of him against the Orioles or, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek. Show him getting out all the time and laugh about it. Something. But, like, the... The broken bat rocking chair that Mariano Rivera got, um, some of the other, like, those things, I think those are great. But some of the keepsakes, I don't know why you're doing, are we going to do this for every great player that comes around? And, I have, uh, you know, I kind of like the idea of it. I kind of think it's a neat thing in the moment to show reverence towards, I think Miguel Cabrera is worthy of getting this type of reverence wherever he goes. To your point, I would say if you can't come up with a neat gift, yes, then just don't give the guy a gift. Like, yes, just show that. Just if, recognize him and right. play a video. Like that's. I, I think that's all you have to do, really. I, like, I would. But I if would it's somebody have, special. Yeah. If it's the cheater, or but let's say at the end of Vlad Guerrero's career and he stays with the Blue Jays and you want to do something for him right. and you you get him something, you know, I, I get that. Um, but like, I don't know, like how many times have we, we saw Miguel Cabrera in the postseason? I mean, that was that was cool. Uh, you know, I, I just don't get it. I am. I, I have two feelings. The first feeling I have about it is I think Miguel Cabrera is worthy of it, and I also think that like you could just make this easy on yourself. Whenever someone comes in, just give them a damn bushel of crabs or a box of crab cakes or something like that, yeah. and it's something local and unique and say, hey, we're going to ship it back to your house, and it, it, it can just be evergreen. In fact, whoever your partner's with, whether it's Jimmy's, whoever it is, whoever your partner's with at the stadium, just say, hey, we need you to ship a box of crab cakes to Miguel Cabrera done right like then everybody says hey that's a cool gift right like who doesn't like that <laughs> gift it works yeah I, I, exactly it does bring me back to and yes if you've got something unique right like if you could have found the ball on that you know intentional walk home run or something like that then yeah find that ball and it's kind of cool i the fact that the r reports were that david ortiz was pissed about the phone proves that david ortiz is a fraud and all this like stuff about him being a good guy dude if you've got any sense of humor at all you think that's amazing. Like, if you have any great. 
By the way, there's a, a gentleman from the army that's currently dancing and doing air guitar outside of my window, and it's my favorite thing ever. I want to invite him in to talk to him about it. Uh, Go yeah, Navy. Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry. That's right. that's right. I forgot we hate them because they yelled at me the morning yeah. we got drunk. <laughs> I totally forgot Boots about Boots on that. the ground. Um, oh. That being said, I want to know, do you remember the worst gift that you've ever received? Like, do you have or a story about the oh, worst yeah. gift the, you ever? Well, the worst gift I've ever received is also the best gift. Do you like that lead in for the story. All right. Like so I actually, I just told this story on um, our show last week when I was talking about my grandmother and you may actually know this. So at one point in my, when I was in high school, my grandmother and my grandfather came to live with us, uh, you know, like falling on hard times. Yeah. Uh, they had a house in West Virginia, but they were still staying up here. So they live with us. And I knew my grandmother didn't have much money. So I, you know, she would ask me what I wanted for Christmas and I would just blow her off and say crotchless panties. Because she wasn't going to go buy me crotchless panties. Um, so, like, my grandmother's like, Jeremy, stop that. And she's like my second mom. I, I mean, I love this woman to death. Uh, but so then another one, crotchless panties. Will you stop that? Cr-? Like, she yeah. curse at me and yell at me. So on, uh, on Christmas Day, as I'm opening up my stocking and I reach my hands all the way down into the bottom of my stocking, I pull no. out a pair of her old dirty panties oh that she cut God. the crotch out of. So I think you understand why it is also the worst gift, but also the best gift, because as gross as it was, it was hilarious. Okay, first of all, if they weren't hers, then I would think this would be the greatest gift of all time. No, they were hers. That that part of it makes it so the the joke of it can't overcome it. That's so disturbing. Oh, God, I think I've told you this story before. I, oh... No. Is it weird that I still have them? Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> it's like, is it weird that I'm holding them in my hand right now? Um, I, uh, oh God, I, I get, I should never tell this story out loud. I, um, one time was home from college and I had a young lady over and, um, we just fell asleep. Like I, she wasn't going to spend the night. Um, but she just did. It happens. But there was a blizzard. There was a blizzard and I couldn't, she, I was staying at home, my parents, and now mm-hmm. this young lady is stuck at my house with my parents. And we're not dating. Like, we're not, there's, <laughs> we're just, we, we, I mean, like, we had known each other for a little while. It's not like I, it was somebody I just met. But, like, it was Instead somebody. Of the walk of shame, it's like the stay of shame. Yes, was? it was totally uncomfortable. And making it more uncomfortable, because, like, it, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do here? Like, how am I going to handle this? <laughs> like, this is bad, man. Like, there's. It was legit snow, like eight inches of snow on the ground. I was not going anywhere. I couldn't get this girl out of there. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, this is a nightmare. And I swear to Christ, my mother, who means well, but does not understand the line, walks downstairs and starts knocking on my door and says, Glenn, did you have a visitor last night? <laughs> so That's i'm like great. casually i'm wandering out there i'm like yes uh hi mom yes uh my my friend uh, uh lacy is here and uh we'll figure that she said don't worry about it i'll make bre-. like my mom's trying to be very sweet about this like she's trying to be cool given the circumstances when i'm 18 years old or whatever i was at the time she's like i'm gonna make breakfast don't worry about it and um you know we can find her some clothes and I was like, yeah, I'm not really worried about that part. Like, it's not like she's been here for five days. She can wear yeah. the clothes she was wearing last night. It's okay. I swear to Christ, my mom walks back downstairs with her own clothes, including underwear. A pair of underwear? 
That's and great. I, whenever I think about that story, whenever I see or you know, like uh, on social media, this this young lady pops up in my life again, I start to feel the creeps all over again. Like, did, oh, did Lacey wear them? Uh, no, she chose not to. She chose, oh, and God, and how embarrassing and there, that is. and we didn't like there never spent the night again. So what I would say there was never a. Uh, that was the last time that, uh, that there was any familiarity in that way between. I remember the having a moment where we were going to hoop it up, and all my friends were staying with me. Okay. And my my, my mom and I have a very interesting relationship, and uh, she wasn't married Give, at the time. Given the other things about, I know about your family, I don't know that you want to say those words, my friend. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I like I can literally say it. Like a friend of mine was like, "Hey, I banged your mom last night." Yeah. My mom, he didn't know my mom was sitting right there. I was like, "Mom, did you bang this guy?" <laughs> It's and pretty she's good. like, no, honey, I didn't. And then you see the look on his face when he realizes it's actually my mom. Yeah, right. And That's realize, pretty good. You know, so, so, but my mom had told us one point, it was very adult. She said, hey, I haven't had a date in a while, you know, since getting divorced. So I got a friend coming over. I'd like you guys to leave because we'd like some alone time. Which is really, as a, as a, you know, 17, 18 year old kid, that's a tough pill to swallow right. with your buddies there. And they right, never let me right. hear the end of it. Yeah, so. no, 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 of course. Like, dude, your mom's getting railed out right now. Like, how are yeah. you feeling about it? I, I didn't want to tell you guys I got to leave because I'm the guy spending time with Jeremy's mom. <laughs> you know, so it's, that's not stuff bad. like that. I had a, there was an incident where my buddy knew that I had, um, re- had relations with his sister and was trying to figure out a way to tell me that he knew without, like, you know, because you know how dudes are, like, I don't know. He just didn't want to like. He didn't want to make it seem like he was trying to be possessive or something like that. He was just trying to like passively, aggressively let me know. And so we're at a party one time, and somebody asked how we knew each other. And they were like, "Well, we've been friends since we were six. And he looked at me. He was like, "Yeah, man, we have been. I would say we're almost like family. Like, you know, I, I don't think I'd be able to sleep with your sister. And so I turned around. I'm like, "Well, that's weird because I've been sleeping with your mom for 15 years." Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and he just all he could do is tip his cap right back. Like, touche, can I man. call you brother? Yeah, right. I got you. Got me on this one. You got. Well, I don't know if I ever told this you this. One. Have you ever dated a twin? Uh, I, I don't. I've dated two twins. In fact, I, I didn't date her, but that girl that I from the story was a twin. Oh wow! Yeah. In now fact, we can narrow down Lexi you, and find her. Yeah. Um, you, you want wait? Wait. So, you want to go a step beyond that? Myself yeah. and a friend of mine both dated the opposite sides of both sets of those twins. That is really interesting. Right? Yeah. I dated a, did, did anybody ever ask you how you tell them apart? Because it was funny for me because the twin that I dated, and I said, well, well, you know, uh, it's easy to tell them apart. And I, I don't know why people have such a problem with it. Jill was the girl that I was sleeping with. Her brother John has a penis. <laughs> right. That's how I tell them apart. It did make it easier. It did That's make, how I know who I'm like, sleeping with. Right. Like, yeah. It wasn't like you were going to kick him out, but, like, you just, <laughs> you knew. Yeah, it was always, I, I will legitimately say that um, they would be like, how do you tell them apart? And I'd be like, I I do like they don't they don't look exactly the same like it's fine yeah. I they're different people I know which one is the girl that I'm dating like I can figure that out it's not that hard I got a uh, <laughs> I did it so my story was one when I was like 16 we were at my friends like we, we had a group of friends and their parents always hosted us like we always spent the night at their house it's where all the parties were and their parents were wonderful I still know them to this day and I did like a stand-up routine they were, we were doing Christmas gift exchanges and I did, I swear to God, like a five-minute stand-up routine about how thoughtless of a gift a multi-tool was. I was like, <laughs> I, I can almost remember the routine. Like, you want to say, you want to know how to say I know nothing about you? Get him a multi-tool. Here, you'll need this for something. And I swear to Christ, her dad had gotten all of us in the group multi-tools. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and then That's I had to great. go for because we really liked him. Like Papa Joe is our guy. And so we had to go immediately from the span of me doing five minutes about how thoughtless a multi-tool was to like, yeah, but when you got it for me, it was really, I really appreciate it. <laughs> it oh, was, nothing worse than eating crap after you said oh, something stupid. God, man. All right. What's coming up on the show this week? Uh, so yeah. So well, obviously I, I think all of us are going to the game on Wednesday. It should be uh, fun. Um, do but you, do you guys hold we'll be, hands when you go to the game or how does that work? Like, do you, I think so. I think Rob will be sitting in a different section, but Ed and I will be holding hands. Do you bring, a, do, you bring I mean, a, if, do you bring a blanket in case it gets cold? Like, do you, you no, cause it? I'll always keep them warm. That's, like I'm very warm, so like uh, in, in normal, you know, so like every one on an everyday basis, I'm very right. warm. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but it is a nice little like kind of camaraderie thing to get out there. I with agree. The guys and, and you're not going to not hold hands with a guy that was on the wire if you have an exactly right. To, right. By the way, Griffin and yeah. I do a lot of the same camaraderie events. Uh, what we do, it's mm-hmm. called. Uh, I go in and I and I throw salami at him. I just nice. I spread mayonnaise on his buttocks and I throw salami at him. <laughs> That's how we bond. Are these metaphors? Uh, no, oh. it's exactly what we do. I, it's a reference <laughs> to you'll net. I, I swear to God, it's such a unique reference. There was it when Scott Stapp was trying to be a religious man, like was trying to be like a, a gospel preacher. People remembered mm-hmm. that, like, on a Girls Gone Wild video, he had uh, this is a straight shoot. They had slathered girls' butts in mayonnaise and thrown lunch meat at them. And then Scott Stapp was trying to, like, convince you to, to go follow the Lord or something like that. So that was a, uh, that was a, a heck of a pull. That was one that I pulled from the How way back. How did the conversation start? Does he go, what if, what <laughs> if? I threw I some salami at you. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. how it goes. Uh, with, with butt cheeks spread wide open. We do a show oh. here. We do a show. Jeremy Khan 1057 on Twitter. Picks at Press hey, Box Hey, is butt online. cheeks one word or do you spread them apart? God. God. Oh, sorry. com And now ConcreteLocks.com with two ends. Love you, buddy. We'll talk again next Monday. I'll see you guys <laughs> What did we just do? What just happened there? How do I come back from that? I don't know. I <laughs> I really kind of had hoped he would just leave it alone. Like, I didn't expect him to get the reference because it is a very obscure reference. It is an extraordinary obscure reference. I was just trying to come up with something. This is the problem with doing improv is you got to come up with something very quickly on your feet. When they're talking right. about camaraderie, what what kind of what do we do? What story can I share that would I would get a little humor out of? And and immediately what I fell back to was Scott Stapp throwing lunch meat at strippers' butts. As most that, pe- as most people do. You know. A lot of people have that one filed away. A lot of people have that one in the back of their minds. <sighs> I don't know how we come back from that. We'll talk to Al Bernstein. That's how we're going to come yeah. back from it. We will get back normal, to normal some transition. legitimate conversation at that. That's why we normally do Jeremy at the end of the show. Because right. right. we acknowledge that it might go off the rails. We were doing some legitimate sports conversation there. We were. But then it might go off the rails, and then we might not be able to come back from it. And, uh, you know, those things happen. Today's show is also brought to you by A.J. Michaels, expert and award-winning. A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season is coming up fast. New rebates and discounts are available. More at ajmichaels.com. We'll come back in. We'll talk more with um, Al Bernstein about Tank Davis and a huge win on Saturday night. That's next, Glenn Clark Radio. (laughs) 
Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adelaide, Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the bat around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Costas Inn has been serving up delicious steamed crabs for over 50 years. Lately, the crabs you want to eat when the weather warms up have gotten harder and harder to get. So get your crab eating game plan in place. Make sure to stick this number on your fridge. 410-477-1975. Call ahead and reserve the size crabs you want. You may be able to walk in, but you may also be disappointed at the size or maybe even get shut out altogether. So call ahead, have a plan, and then arrive on your crab eating vacation. Costas also has delicious crab soup and crab cakes. The Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. For more than 50 years, they've been satisfying crab lovers in and around Baltimore. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? Sorry, we, we, we're having a – John Colson are having a chat. It has nothing to do with local sports. It's kind of crazy news in the media world this morning that Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News, which is, again, whatever your opinions are of Tucker Carlson or Fox News, that's earth-shattering within yes. the world of media. Um, and the fact that you, you would imagine it's probably related to the fact that they just lost an $800 million settlement on a lawsuit and might be losing a lot more. And that dude was – pretty much in the center of it so just kind of a crazy like I, I saw that pop i'm like whoa and again i'm not this is not for me to i'm not trying to editorialize about tucker carlson or any of those things it was just very shocking when i saw that pop up or pop up right now like wow that is that is pretty massive so colson and i were caught up in that conversation here for a minute and it's a very different conversation than salami and mayonnaise <laughs> very very different. You were asking where we go from here. Right. Where do we go from here? Exactly right. Oh, For the record, I wanted to be said, I'm also agreeing to part ways with Fox News, for the record. I just want that to be noted. Uh, we, we, parting amicably. We're all good. I'm going to take a job over at ATN instead. That's going to be where my future is going to bring me. <laughs> I think that's... It's a weird episode last night. Like I, it, I think after the last two weeks of succession... They had set the bar so effing high. Like, the last two weeks were so insane that it's almost tough to just have 
functional episodes now, right? Like, that episode last night, before two weeks ago, would have been, you know, just another really good Succession episode. But the last two weeks were so absolutely bonkers that it almost kind of felt like last night was anticlimactic. You know what I mean? Like, it almost sort of felt like it was missing something. Um, Good, but... I also kind of, when I say it was missing something, I think we all know what that something is that it was missing, where even the episode the week before, technically the presence was still felt. It's so very weird to speak in code. I don't know how long we got to go before we can just openly talk about these topics. Um, Yeah, weird, weird episode. Like it was, it was good. It was just, it did not feel the same as the electricity of the previous two weeks. So there's our breakdown of succession, if that's what you had tuned in for this morning. It is a Monday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Today's show also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Right now, get up to $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet from DraftKings. What you got to do is go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Click on the DraftKings link. That's the only way for you to take advantage of this offer. That's it. Only way. $1,000 in a deposit bonus match plus a $50 free bet from DraftKings. Again, go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers in order to get signed up. I made a little money the betting this weekend because I bet a few dollars on Tank Davis to win via knockout. Felt pretty good about that. You had him by seventh round, exactly? No, I did not. I did not listen to his prediction and go to the seventh round. I should have, obviously, but I did get Tank Davis by knockout. Let's talk a little bit more about that and what's next now moving forward for Baltimore's own Javante Davis. Joining us is a man who have always appreciated our conversations over the years. He is an absolute legend in the business from Showtime. He's Al Bernstein, and he's back with us now here on GCR. Al, it's Glenn in Baltimore. I know it's early out west. Thanks so much for getting up early with us and talking some Javante Tank Davis. Yeah, no problem. Good to be with you guys. Um, obviously, this was electric. This was everything that the sport could ask for over the weekend. How important on the whole was this fight, you know, between two actual fighters and not goofs that try to pretend that they're fighters because they have YouTube followers? How important was this event for the sport as a whole? Well, you know, listen, boxing's had a very good year. Uh, this has been a uh, an excellent year for the sport. There have been uh, probably more good fights this year, not fights necessarily on this level, though there are a number of them, a lot of big fights planned still for the rest of the year. Um, but this one was obviously a very high-profile match, <clears throat> and toward that end, having two fighters, as you point out, who were, you know, both were undefeated and, uh, you know, presumably although it, it turned out to be a, you know, pretty uh, dominant performance by Javante Davis. Uh, it was anticipated, certainly, uh, uh, because they were both undefeated. Um, so it was important. I mean, I think it was a good, uh, you know, a, a kind of a an addition to what has been a really, really good year for boxing. I know that a part of it is you guys have the op, uh, you know, obligation to sell the fight, to sell the event, sell the moment, but there was a lot of talk during your guys' broadcast about this concept of being the face of boxing, right? Um, separate- well, I, you, well, to be perfectly candid, that never, uttered, that never came 
out of my mouth. I, that's, and, and, <laughs> that's, gonna be, and, and, and that's and I'm going to be real. I, and I'm going to be real candid. Right. I'm going to be real candid. And, and I, am, I appreciate I that because I thought. Yeah, I thought I could ask that question to you. I thought that we could have a fair conversation. Yeah, I, about I, well, to be honest, I, I'm going to be brutally frank. I think that, uh, uh, you know, let's take Durante because he had a fantastic performance and he was great and he is certainly a star. Uh, I don't buy, I just don't go for the boxing and whatever. There's a lot of great fighters, uh, people, people. You know, he, he, he is, what Gervonta has done is remarkable. He is, you know, he has uh, uh, put, he has filled up arenas in cities across the United States. That's pretty extraordinary. You know, that's, that's not to be sneezed at. And I mentioned it in the open. Um, and I think it is, it is amazing. And I think he is a star. Um, I'm not, I've never been one to, pin boxing on one individual. I just don't do that. I've been at it for 42 years and I, I, to be perfectly honest, you know, it's a good, uh, uh, slogan, but I I don't, I just don't buy, I just don't go for that. I understand that. And I, I I really did believe that. And that's no, that is in no way a, that is in no way a, um, a slight, to what he did, or right. flight to his star power, which I think is extraordinary. Let me let me separate those two things. Legitimately, j- taking away the star power aspect of it, where mm-hmm. where do you believe Gervonta is now amongst the best pound for pound fighters in the world? Is he a top ten pound for pound fighter in the world? Yeah, oh, unquestionably. Look, he here. I mean, I think he has suffered from the fact that he is not, for a variety of reasons. He hasn't been able to be in there with um, uh, what people perceive as a um, an opponent that 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 uh, you know was considered uh, super upper echelon. He's fought very good fighters. He's fought a number of champions. Some coming up in weight. Uh, and in this instance, he he fought somebody who. Well, he wasn't a champion, was undefeated, and had uh, clearly people thought of him as a as a dynamic young fighter in the sport. Um, and, you know, what he needed was not only a, a good fighter, but a popular fighter. And that's exactly what he got. You know, he got a good fighter, a really good fighter who yep. was very popular. And that helped, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, expand his resume. I think it would. It is anybody that doesn't consider Javante Davis to be one of the best fighters in the sport is not looking at it realistically because he's he's powerful, he's cagey, he is uh, uh, very skilled. I mean, I you know, and we saw evidence of that in this fight for sure, and we and we've seen it in other fights as well. Uh, so yes, no question. He's one of the, the best, uh, one of the best fighters in the sport. And then adding in the star power factor, adding in the fact that he just headlined a Vegas pay-per-view with an eighty-four ninety-nine uh, price tag, right? Adding in those things. Is there, you know, if, if we say he's not the face of boxing, if we think that might be a, a bit over the top, but again, I'm not knocking the, your colleagues because I understand, I understand. like, you you guys have well, a job to do and put in broadcasts. Yep, um, but if if we factor those things in, 
is he a you know a top three, a top five star in the sport at this point? Yes, yes, he's absolutely. He's one of the he's one of the stars of the sport because yep. because you look you you when you can fill up arenas across the United States and be a pay per view attraction. Uh, and I think this fight, the, 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 the general perception, uh, among everyone connected with Showtime is that this fight is going to do extremely well as a pay-per-view attraction. I think this will certainly be much higher than anything he's done before. And some of that of course is, uh, you know, you do need a good, uh, you do need a popular dance partner to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that helps every, every great champion in the past has needed that every great fighter. Um, but nonetheless, you have to give Javante Davis a lot of credit for being, uh, a big part of that because as we said, he has sold out arenas everywhere. He is, he's done something also that's really intriguing. He's, found a demographic for the sport i think that is special you know he number one he's he's in i he's kind of a folk hero in the hip-hop community um true you know truly he is uh and that's a takes in a large swath of people in the united states and and with other bigger swath of pro athletes too al like it's it's kind of crazy to me like i i dude i this is a straight shoot i had superstar pro athletes reach out to me last week and ask if i could help get them into the fight on saturday night yeah right right that's another that's another element of it that's a good point very good point yeah and 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 so that's number one then there's number two there's number two that when i at every javante davis fight when i look into the crowd I see many more African-American faces than I normally see at boxing matches. Hmm. Um, and it's a kind of an, a, a fascinating, upwardly mobile crowd that has just, you know, uh, taken to him. And that's why he's filling up arenas in places like Atlanta and, you know, certainly in Baltimore and everywhere, you know, yeah. I mean, he's, it, it's, he has, he has created several niche or not niche, but several audiences for himself that are, that are very loyal to him and, uh, and enjoy him. And not only the, the pro athletes who's talking about the, the entertainers in general, the, the, the stars of, um, you know, of the entertainment world and, uh, and it's an interesting phenomenon, you know. And, and when we look back on boxing uh, stars in the past, superstars, all usually that's part of it, isn't it? You can go all the way back to Sugar Ray Robinson, and I know that's way long ago, right? Even before, you know, and I wasn't even around during his his heyday. Uh, I, you know, when I was nine years old, I saw him fight toward the end of his career, but, but. Even then, uh, Bob Dunphy, our director, you know, and, and uh, who was the son of uh, Don Dunphy, the great boxing announcer, who was a mentor to me in his later years, would talk about Ray Robinson, you know, walking in to an arena and, you know, all the stars of the day, you know, all the big stars would, would, would come up to him, right, mm-hmm. from the, at the fight, and they would 
you know, want to be around him. And so that's, there's no difference between that and what's happening today, what you're describing. So it's an interesting phenomenon. There's no question. He is the great Al Bernstein. He's with us here on GCR after he, of course, was on the call on Saturday night for uh, Baltimore's own Tank Davis's win over Ryan Garcia. Um, obviously, the the other side of the equation, Al, there's, you know, I'm sure for a number of people, there's still an uncomfortability, even here in Baltimore, about um, Gervonta's track record, his legal issues. We know it's going to cloud. I'm going to ask you about his future in a second. It's going to cloud that topic. Mm-hmm. I, I have said a couple of times, knowing, you know, what I, what I know and knowing his camp a little bit, and I certainly don't talk to Gervonta nearly as much as once upon a time I was able to. Um, but I worry that he's someone that just, like, the chaos is his normal, and I worry about that with him. But, you know, Leonard Ellerby was trying to sell me on the idea that he is more focused. Of course, we're talking about the latest issue only being, you know, four months ago. Is Gervonta capable of staying out of his own way now as a bona fide superstar? That's one of the the big questions, you know. um, He will... He when before this fight, you know, when we had the fighter meeting, I did ask him. I said, "How how were you able to compartmentalize the issue that you know he's going to be sentenced in shortly uh, for the 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 hit and run incident?" Um, and now I know there's some expectations that that's not going to be um, super dramatic. That there there's even the possibility it will be minimal to no actual jail time. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, but clearly that's something that could easily be hanging over your head. And his answer was simple, and I give him, you know, he's an interesting guy, and you know from interviewing him, he just, when you ask him a question, he gives you an answer. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, spin anything. He just tells you, he thinks about it, and then he just tells you what he thinks. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I, I said, how did you compartmentalize? He said, I just didn't think about it. He said, I, I knew I had a task at hand, and I was able to do it. Now, of course, we're now done with the fight, and now he does have to think about it. Um, and you raise what is maybe the most salient issue about Gervonta Davis. Can he uh, avoid, um, you know, stepping on his own feet? Can he avoid... Uh, shooting himself in the foot. Um, and, and that's going to be a big issue for him. Uh, and, and if he can do that, of course, then, you know, his future in the sport of boxing is is bright. And, you know, the other thing is, of course, big matches are hard to make in boxing, but there are big matches out there. Right. There are matches that are bigger than Ryan Garcia. You know, there's Shakur Stevenson, there's uh, Haney, there's fights that really, uh, when you get down to it, could be promoted into, you know, super mega fights that even make this fight look less. Uh, that was where I wanted to go next, Al, which is I- I'm interested in what the path is. You, you mentioned, like, Haney Loma is coming up. It- it is mm-hmm. is it now that this is th- – th- there needs to be more of these. There need to be more or – is it smarter for his camp to say, let's take another money fight or two, and then maybe next year we consider another type of, of how do you handle this moving forward? We remember what Floyd's story was, and we know that there are so many parallels here. 
I, it feels like it would be incredible for it to be Stevenson and for it to be, you know, the Haney Loma winner. Like, what? How do you handle this now moving forward to protect, to both protect his stardom and monopolize his stardom? Yeah, I I, I would be surprised if that was the very next thing that happens. Um, <clears throat> it just would, um, based on the the the, you know the the landscape and the fact that there are different promoters, different platforms uh, involved. But I do believe there is no question it is feasible for that fight to happen. Uh, it's feasible because it can be, it's going to be a pay-per-view. So networks have gotten together before as they did on this one, mm-hmm. uh, as we have, as we did with Pacquiao Mayweather, as we did with Joshua and uh, one of his fights, um, and, um, so I believe that it can happen. And I think boxing has kind of started to head in that direction. You know, more big fights are being made, more fights in which, um, there's cooperation amongst the different, uh, entities, uh, they are being made. Uh, and I think that, that, uh, you know, him being in a fight against one of those two uh, fighters would be a monstrous fight. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be uh, something that would really, much like this one did, and even more, I think would uh, would have a life of its own and uh, and be quite a, a major event. Wow. And you know, we're I, I I'm still very hopeful for instance, that the Spence Crawford fight is going to happen in the next three or four or five months. In fact, I I have to be honest, I'm at least 80 to 90% uh, confident it's going to happen. Uh, So that further sets the tone, you know, for what's been going on in the sport. Uh, And I I think we're going to see more of it. All right, before I let you go, Alan, I really appreciate the time. You're, you're, you're always so good with us. Um, uh, I, a few people, and I'll say uh, Baltimore's own Asim Rachman Jr. was one of them, used the word quit in describing Ryan Garcia. I, I am not going to pretend to be an expert about getting hit in the liver, right? Like, I have, I have not been there. But is there any part of you that, that is comfortable with the word quit when it comes to what happened in the seventh round? No, you know, I, look at it this way. Here's the way I look at it. In round two, uh, Ryan Garcia was hit with almost a perfect left hand by a fantastic puncher, right? You know, Ryan, I mean, Devontae Davis has a lot of power. Yes. He got up, continued on, won the sixth round probably, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And even, you know, I mean, he lost those rounds probably previous to it, but even was able to win one of the rounds in which he was uh, participating in and got caught with a really good body shot and went down and couldn't quite get up. You know, did people say that, you know, I mean, my broadcast partner, Marlon Alwa, made the perfect uh, historical reference when he, 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 he compared it to Oscar De La Hoya being knocked out by Bernard Hopkins yep. to the body. Yep. I don't remember people saying that Oscar De La Hoya quit. Uh, and so I, you know, I, I don't know that, uh, that I would put that term again. That's another term I don't, I very seldom use. And, and, and I will tell you that way back in the 
Stone Age, when I was an amateur boxer, I was hit in the liver, and it does hurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like, I, I don't even want to think about what that feeling hurt. might be. So, <laughs> you know, I, it's it's just hard to, you know, you can't. Uh, it's And you know what? Listen, I've been announcing for 42 years. Different fighters have different levels of punch resistance, different levels of 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 ferocity in fighting uh the um uh the the things they have to deal with in the ring um and some are you know we see some fighters and we are astonished at what they can go through um it doesn't mean that the ones that can't go through that much are quitters it just means that they couldn't deal with that adversity yeah i get it i completely get it albert says- i mean that's my view now somebody yep. else you know, I, I'm. I know the social media has been ablaze with that, and some people are, uh, you know, uh, are, are disappointed in his, uh, in what you know, his inability to to get past it. But um, you know, and even you know, when it happened live, I mean, honestly speaking, and I think you'd probably agree, it was hard to even see that oh, body punch. Exactly. It was so quick. Yep. But when they when the when we showed the replays. It was a terrific punch. Yep, no question. Oh, it was quite clean, and I get it. Yeah, I, I can... really, really, really good body punch. So, Al Bernstein, is there anything I can plug for you, my friends? You know, uh, that's so sweet of you. I appreciate that. Not right at the moment, although I will say, and I almost did it this time, that the next uh, major fight out here, I'm going to get back. As you know, I do a lot of music shows here in Las Vegas, yep. and uh, next time out of the box for Spence Crawford, I think I will do what I was going to do for this fight. I'll do some music uh, beforehand. So Excellent. I'll let you know in advance of that, and we can we can plug that. You know we will be in touch. Uh, my guy Steve Pratt will always remind me it's time to have Al on again, and I'll say you damn right it's time uh, to have Al We again. do have our, our next Showtime our next Showtime match is May 13th, um, and uh, so if the fans want to tune back into uh, – our Showtime Boxing, which, by the way, and here I am going to sound a, like a plugger, but it's just a fact, we've had an astonishing year of, of boxing on Showtime. It's really been one of the best years I've had in forever announcing fights. Um, so uh, they can come back on May 13th and sample a little bit more of that. We look forward to it already. Al Bernstein, thank right. you. You're so good to us. Thank you for taking the time. We will look forward to the next time. Thank you again. Nice to talk to you. Take care. Al Bernstein, the uh, the legend in uh, boxing broadcasting, and appreciate him hopping on with us this morning. Yeah, I I don't know about that quit concept. Like, dude, you you go ahead, take that shot to the liver, and tell me. I I I don't know. And like, people talk. It's hilarious how many people are also on the other side experts about it. Like, oh, dude, you know your your body's shutting down on. I'm like, I, I guess I don't. I don't know that I've ever been hit directly in the liver to understand that, right? Like, but enough people were talking about it that I'm willing to accept it as fact. We can test it out. It can be our next punishment for yeah, whatever take side. A, that take a clean shot to the liver from Javante Davis. Maybe yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I've been hit by John Jones a few times, and I know how unpleasant those were. They were really, really unpleasant, and I know he didn't even put the full effort into those. So, I, I you know. I am willing to absolutely accept that that's what occurred on Saturday night was shot to the liver, you know, for a second. He's like, okay, I'm going to try. And then all of a sudden, dude, nope. Body is just shutting down on him. And, um, you know, for the most part, it was a pretty good fight. I What I said, 
My only analysis of the fight was I thought Gervonta was very smart in that when he was threatened by Garcia a little bit early on, he went to the hugs and Garcia, and he referenced like maybe I showed him too much respect. I think maybe specifically, like you saw sometimes when he went to the hug, he would be like, okay, can I keep hitting him? Mm -hmm. Like, am, am I supposed to... There's like, no yeah, do I just stop and what's the yeah. understanding in that moment? Because in the moment the argument would be, yeah, keep punishing him, dude. Like, keep getting blows in because he's just trying to slow you down. Like, that's what he's purposely trying to do is slow your momentum. That's the idea of the hug. And I thought there were moments there where Garcia could have delivered a little bit more punishment um when he had some action going for him early on in the fight. I don't know that it was going to matter. I think that Gervonta was always going to win the fight. It was interesting. Did I read that someone, one of the judges, had the knockdown round as 10-10 yeah, on the scorecard? That's insane. I, like, if you want to make the argument that it was a... If somebody had said 10-9 instead of 10-8, I probably would have been willing to hear them right, out. yeah. And like, I, almost more likely. Like I don't I don't know that I would have I I do still think you get knocked down like yeah, you that. Down. You, it's it's ten a eight win. round. It's a win. Oh yeah. no, it's a clean well, well, ten, yeah, eight ten eight round. But since Percy was doing well in that if, round. You can at least make the argument for ten nine. You can mm -hmm. at least make the argument of look, clearly that knockdown, you win the round. That's the way it goes. But it was a competitive round. I'm we're not gonna go a full ten eight on a competitive round. Okay, I'll listen. Ten ten there was no loser to the round when someone someone hit the canvas. Stop that. Stop that, man. No way. That was nuts. Um, and yes, obviously, you know, what's clouding like after something like this, you'd really love to have a an immediate direction to try to build off of the momentum of the entire country talking about the fight. You'd like to have even if you can't announce it an obvious next path. And you'd like for it to be, like the obvious next path to be the Lomachenko-Haney uh, winner. Given Gervonta's situation, legally, but also given that we just don't know if they're going to continue to try to make the biggest fights or go back to stockpiling some paychecks. Like, and I mean this, with, sadly, if there is a, you know, a Haney- Davis fight, it's not going to happen in Baltimore. But if with the new building, Gervonta's camp said, well, we want to go back there because now the building's worthwhile to be in and we want to have, in the new version of the building, we want to have a big, like the first big sporting event to be Gervonta Davis, you could fight some slappy there in... Would you let him fight you? Probably not me. I'm probably going to pass on that. <laughs> I'll I'll help with the promotion. <laughs> Again, deliver. I don't know about that. I don't think I'm gonna take deliver shot. I think I'm gonna pass on all of that. God, this is a very. I was thinking about something else. Like what 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 do you what do you do in broadcast? Like in old school radio, when radio mattered, we would have somebody on the staff that would have to take a liver shot. Oh my gosh! Like that's the way it was gonna. That's just the way that it went. Like like you had to do these types of stunts all the time, and I like doing stunts, and I want to do stunts, but. Whew, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> like, we got to call. I'm thinking about who we could call. We're going to call Jimmy Lang, ask him to come up here and be the one to deliver the limit. 
I, somebody from Charles's gym. Yeah, somebody <laughs> like that. Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, just wretched. We'll talk more about it during Fighting Words on Thursday. But, um, you know, I, I would say on the whole, the fight delivered. It was good enough. Even if it wasn't a classic, I don't even think yeah. that it was a classic performance by Tank. Like I, I think it was a good enough fight with the stakes being what they were, that no one came away furious. You want to say you were disappointed because yeah. you wanted Garcia to get back up, fine. But once you saw the punch, it was a viable punch to end a fight. It was not. There's no way that you can't claim that it was fraudulent. You can't. I know everybody does. Like I understand that. It, it's just the way that works. But separating the mouth breathers, separating the insane people, the tinfoil hat people, no legitimate person could think there's any ounce of, you didn't have a scorecard controversy, thank God, because imagine like if that 10-10 thing had come into play at the end of the fight. Instead, you just had a definitive winner, a good fight, Ryan Garcia handled himself well afterwards and can protect his star power because he's still extraordinarily handsome, like, that will still exist tomorrow. More casual people know who he is today than they did going into the weekend. It was good for everybody. It was good for every all parties involved. It was a good night for boxing on Saturday night. I wish there was another. Again, I only watched the two fights. I only watched the last two fights on the card. And the other one was dreadful. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, Truck Simpson won his fight. But that wasn't on the main card. But yeah, he won his fight on the card. On the zone. Yeah, so there's that. All right, we are winding down for a Monday edition of the program. Um, a reminder that the print issue of Pressbox is available now at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox. You can read it all at PressBoxOnline.com. That's Jackson Holiday. He's on the cover. Well, he's an illustration of Jackson Holiday is on the cover as uh, we celebrate what's still to come. And that's, the I think, the significant part of this. There's a very special section inside this print issue of Pressbox really diving into the fact that despite Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson and Grayson Rodriguez already being here, there's still a lot to come. There is still a pipeline of significant talent. Kobe Mayo, Heston Kerstad, Jackson Holiday. There is still a lot on the way in the coming years for the Baltimore Orioles. So go pick up that issue of Pressbox right now. Check it all out. And while I have your attention, a reminder that in, in concert – with this new print issue of PressBox. You can go to PressBoxOnline.com slash contests and sign up to win four tickets to each of the local minor league baseball teams plus an Easy Pass Maryland on-the-go transponder preloaded with $25 and a $50 gas card from Royal Farms in order to help you get around. you got to be 18 or older in order to enter, and the sweepstakes will run through June 14th. So if you forget today, you'll still hear me talk about it tomorrow. But go get signed up now. Tell, you know, sign your wife up. Sign your girlfriend up. Sign both of them up if uh, if that's the case. If you think that either one of them would go with you should they win. Um, get over to PressBoxOnline.com slash contest right now in order to sign up. Speaking of Jackson Holiday, he is on the move. He is going up to Aberdeen. Just uh, Just got promoted. Well, that might be a bummer because... Was that maybe something that we were going to do this week? Um, yeah, it was definitely uh, you well, know, that's, something I was thinking about. That's... Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Good, for, good him. for him. And I know he was off to a great start. Also, didn't Colton Kowser have like a crazy game this weekend? Didn't he uh, have like probably. a like a two home run and ridiculous diving catch type of game over the weekend? I'm pretty sure. 
uh, on Saturday night. In fact, I believe Colton Kowser had kind of a bonkers game down in Norfolk. So yes, yeah. Um, I yeah, like that is the the fascinating part. Like we're not as obsessed as we were with Adley and Gunner, but there will be a question at some point. No matter, like no matter how someone is performing at the major league level, there's going to be a question about when these these guys might just be ready. And then it gets into those awkward conversations. Like it was easy when it was Pedro Severino. Like <laughs> that's the sacrifice we're willing to make. Now the question becomes, is there a, a point at some point this year where Colton Kowser is demanding his way onto the major league roster? And then what do you do about Cedric Mullins? And it's, it, you don't want to have that conversation because we like Cedric Mullins. He's, He's a good dude. He's a nice baseball player. Like, there's a lot there. But if Cedric Mullins is struggling a little bit, what do you do? Or are they having trade conversations because they think Colton Kowser is demanding his way there? Mullins this season is not hitting particularly well, but he's still getting on base at a 370 clip. Like, that's definitely that's definitely palatable, right? Like, there's not a the pop is not there that it was, but it. A 371 on base percentage with his speed is very valuable. Right. Yeah. So you're not in a rush to move on from it, but is there a point at which Kowser is just so demanding a spot? You know, Hayes has obviously gotten off to another great start. So, like, there's a lot of complicated parts of it. We didn't have to think about this with the last few guys. There weren't guys ahead of them that we cared about. Now we're getting to a point in this process where the guys ahead of them, we care about them, and it's getting uncomfortable and awkward, but legitimate conversations have to be had. Not yet. I'm not saying today, but let me pull up what Colton counts. I do know it was two, it was it two was, home it runs. It was two home runs and, and, a, and a catch. And a ridiculous yeah. yes. diving catch on Saturday night. Just absolutely bonkers diving catch on Saturday night. So now for the season, Colton Kowser is hitting 290, uh, 407 on base, 880 OPS. He oh, only had it was Star Wars night. He only has so he hit two of his three home runs in the same game. So it's not like Colton Kowser's, you know, hitting 500 and yeah. Well, okay, that's extraordinary. But it's not like Colton Kowser's saying, "Dude, another day here is a waste." There's still room there to say, "Okay, you got more to work on," but it's it's hard to fathom him being there. I don't know through like July into the summer yeah. or like well and I mean I guess past the all-star break like if if this is how he's performing what's the what's the point what are we doing here so just awkward conversations that we got to be we got to be aware of we got to be thinking about and sort of filing away that at some point it, you're going to have to make some tough decisions and it might be that you're trading away Cedric Mullins for what seems to be not to help the major league team. I still think that could end up being in play. But conversation for another day. Not today. Today, we need to get a tidbit. The tidbit is brought to you today. Was there anything we didn't cover this morning, by the way? We didn't really talk about the playoffs. I said yesterday on 105.7, dude, as a Suns fan, this is the least comfortable I've ever felt about a team that's up 3-1. I, like, I think they're going to win the series because I always thought they were going to win the series, but there is nothing about the way they played that said to me, this is a legitimate title contender. They look uncomfortable. They look like they have no idea who's supposed to be doing what in certain circumstances. That's all very tedious. Like, 
and it's been brought up a few times on the broadcast. Like Kevin Durant is still trying to figure out what his role is. Like, am I supposed to be Kevin Durant or am I supposed to be? And then it's on top of the fact that Devin, it's supposed to be Devin Booker's team, but it's always been Chris Paul in the final moments of games. But when you have Kevin Durant on your roster, do you really want it to be Chris Paul? That's the guy in the fourth quarter. It could, and he was great in game four, but it, it's really uncomfortable to watch. Like, it just looks like guys that have no idea. I, I pray that they work through those things during yeah. the course of this series, and by the time they would face Denver, they'd be sharp. But right now, I do not feel good at all. Uh, yeah. The best argument you can make is, who do you feel good about in the West at the moment? Like, who is the team that you say, right now in the East, Philly looks completely legit. Boston is looking very solid. But in the West, who's who are you comfortable with? The closest answer would probably be in the postseason would be Denver, right? Although they lost last night. But... It's Denver. Like all they ever do is disappoint in the postseason. So, good news for the Suns is, I guess, uh, you know, Kawhi is going to have to play. He, he's clearly not not one hundred percent, and he's going to have to play three straight games now, which I guess he just never. Well, does. I don't. I, I, I'm not worried about this series. This series yeah, does not concern. You, you me. You no, you not this series. I said I'm not comfortable. I'm uncomfortable with the idea of them being a title contender. I they're going to win the series. Like they they're going to. I get it. Kawhi's Kawhi and he can do magical things and they won the game when Kawhi played like I understand the point but they're not going to lose three straight games particularly with Kawhi not being 100% that's not going to happen I'm worried about Denver in the next series and just a team that does not look like they know now the one again nobody I'm doing a sun show and I'm the only person that cares in this market two things one they do defend like that that does matter all of them defend it's rare to have four legitimate stars on a floor and all of them defend. I'm ready for next round when you uh, come in wearing your Tory Craig jersey. Dude, Tory Craig has been a, a monster. Has just been so important to this team in this series. It's crazy how important he's been. Um, but then they, be- there's no bench. Like, there's just no bench. I had somebody reach out to me yesterday like, you're, you're worried too much about that. The Clippers have a weird bench. Like, they just have a weird group of players. Like, they can go from Marcus Morris not playing at all to suddenly him starting. Like, they're just weirdly deep, where, like, they have viable NBA players they're bringing off their bench, despite the fact they don't actually trust them. So you're measuring against that. I'm like, I don't know, dude. The Suns have no bench. Like, there's nothing there. They have they have traded away everything in order to have Kevin Durant. And I get it. But as someone who cares, it's been uncomfortable to watch. It's been really uncomfortable. Meanwhile, the Warriors-Kings series... Oh, my God. It's a good one. I, I saw somebody tweet out yesterday, I petitioned to have that change to a best of 687 series. I'm like, yep, on board, dude. Like, that is, that is must-watch TV, man. That is awesome basketball. Um, and the Warriors got fortunate because Harrison Barnes probably should have left them down 3-1, but didn't, and that's a dangerous thing to do against a Warriors team. Well, and Steph calling the timeout. Like, I – Hey, bro. I don't know. I don't know. They survived. They did. They They survived. They did survive. 2-2 is they got to go back. They do have to win a game in Sacramento, though. They got to prove that. And that's been a crazy atmosphere, obviously, to start the playoffs. All right. Is there anything else? I think that's everything. Yeah. Good tidbit. Okay. All right. Do I need to have a sponsor? I I mean... Uh, Tidbit is brought to you by your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Uh, good news for the 1988 Orioles. 
this athletic team is probably worse. So since 1901, the Athletics' minus 100 run differential is the worst by any team in their first 21 games of a season. Uh, which the previous worst through 21 games was the minus 85 run differential by the 88 Orioles. So the Orioles no longer, uh, you know, hold that record for worst team through 21 games. Well, I mean, I guess yeah, run differential wise, you know. Okay. And, 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 and <laughs> I funny. Uh, I don't really know what to say about that. That's the problem. And like, funny because the person that uh, that was tweeting this out it was from CJ Hangin on uh, ESPN, for an ESPN researcher, but uh, Buster Olney tweeted it out. So Buster Olney has picked a new team to bully. Uh, since the Orioles uh, look like they're, you know, finally com- com- competitive. You guys get so worked up about these things. It's like these people that are worked up about me calling, saying that the brick was the terrible gift. Who cares? Gonna call like, if you, if you just want to say, I, first of all, you're wrong. It's a terrible gift. Like, there's no justifying it. There's no, because I care about the warehouse, that means it's a good gift to give someone. That's not a thing. I love you. It's not a thing. Also, I you can't it. possibly think that I actually care. You can't possibly believe that it's something that I have just been losing sleep over. The Orioles giving a break. It was a throwaway tweet. That's 100% accurate. It's a terrible gift. But let's start going through all the legends in the game in the game right now and and figure out who what would you give them? I would I just said I would give everybody the exact same thing. Here's a box of crab cakes. Lame. No, it's not lame. It's the best thing we can offer because you know what you can't get in Detroit? Crab cakes. Like it's so easy. It's the easiest possible thing to do in the world. Here, we're going to ship to your house a, a, a as a thank you for what you've done for the game of baseball. We're going to ship you. There doesn't have to be any thought involved in it. Just somebody walks in and says, hey, you know, this is Cabrera's last time here. Great. Give him a gift bag. <laughs> easiest thing to do. And you know what? Thank you is the answer. This, with all due respect, will at best end up going to a secretary somewhere at best like the most the the best case scenario who said give him uh, one of the left field seats that I, we took luke out. jackson brought that, that up jackson. again yeah, yeah. if they, i'm i'm all for it. if you can do it find something clever if you can come up with a a framed picture of him hitting the the intentional walk pitch for a yeah. home run something like that do it but the best thing to do just give everybody crab cakes it's not hard it's a thing we have that no one else has they can't do that in Colorado. Like, when he makes his last trip to Seattle. Some Colorado crabs. Yeah, some old Colorado crabs. It's not hard to get this right. And whatever I know, is the answer isn't a brick. Again, it's not the end of the world. I think they had good intentions. I think somebody believed it was a sweet, thoughtful gift. It's just that you can't make Miguel Cabrera care about the history of the B&O warehouse. I, I don't know what they're provincial about in, you know, Colorado. I don't know what's something in Colorado that matters to them about their stadium. But if you brought it, imagine giving it to you. Imagine somebody coming back tomorrow like, hey, Griffin, I was in Denver, and you know what? I got you. Here's this, uh, here's this patch of grass from, you know, Dante Bichette's final game in, mm. in Denver. You're going to be like, Thanks. wow. Thank you. Cool. Just, and never just think about it. Just give me a that, That's yeah. Like it, yeah. You have to be capable of understanding that the thing that you care about, even if you care about it deeply, you can't make someone else care about it. You can't. I Bless you. Bless your heart for caring so much. I love you. God bless. 
Sorry, I can't. I just did it again. But it goes back to the Buster Olney thing. So you do care? No, it's the it's my comparison to the Buster. Like, why do you care about Buster Olney? Well, anyway, my uh, my Buster Olney point. Uh, I'm gonna start calling him Buster Lonely because as I was typing his name, it autocorrected from Olney to Lonely, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. I think uh, I think that is what we what? should call him. What is your beef with Buster? Picking Olney? on the Orioles. <laughs> Don't like it. Oh, for God's sake. Batters facing Shohei Otani for the third time in a game. So their third time through the lineup uh, this season. They are 0 for 24 with 15 strikeouts against Shohei Otani. Third time through the lineup. Um, he's really good. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's insane. I did see that tweet this uh, weekend. It's nuts. It's bonkers. <laughs> I mean, it's I guess it's bonkers that any pitcher is facing a batter for a third right. time these days. But right. it's even more bonkers. Uh, TNT, so yeah, yesterday they aired back-to-back Boston games with the NBA and NHL playoffs, and okay. both games were called by Jim Jackson. There was a Jim Jackson broadcaster, oh, hockey broadcaster, Jim Jackson basketball How about broadcaster. That? How about it was called that? both the Boston games. I, I don't know Jim and Jackson. And each Jim, J- Jim Jackson played for... Uh, the hockey guy played for the Philly, for the Phillies, the Flyers. Okay. And this, the basketball Jim Jackson played for the Sixers. Well, how about that? How about that? Tidbit. Uh, Gavin Sheets hit uh, the highest pitch anyone has homered offered uh, in the last three years. There's been over 14,000 home runs uh, hit since 2020. And someone put together, Jay, Jay Kuda put together a graphic of all of those hits. Um, that was on Saturday, actually. And uh, Gavin Sheets hit the highest one. So here's like here's, here's the graphic. If you can Damn. See. Yeah, I can't the one. see. It's about a full foot above the... Uh, yeah, that is significantly... significantly. Wow, that is an outlier. Yes. So Gavin Sheets hit the tallest, that little highest guy, pitched I wouldn't run. worry about that little guy. Uh, in the uh, Since 2020. Uh, also yesterday, Adolis Garcia hit three home runs and two doubles. Uh, he became the fourth player ever to uh, have three home runs and two doubles in a game. He also became the ninth player since 2008 to have five extra base hits in a game. I would like to see. Yeah, not okay. G- give me, g- say one more time while I think about All it. All right, so five extra base hits. Yeah. In a game since 2008, there have been nine guys to do it. Adolis Garcia is the most recent. They're all, you know what? If you let's get six of them, you should be able to get six of them. It's 2008, you yes. say? Yes. Trout. Not Mike Trout. Cabrera. Not Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. <laughs> This isn't great. I know. Well, there's some random Pools. names, but I, that, that's why I like it, because I like the random names. There is uh, there is a Cardinal. He did it with the Cardinals, not currently a Cardinal. Not pool holes. Cur- active player. It is an active player. Played for the Cardinals. He did this in 2018 with the Cardinals. Not a Cardinal anymore. He is currently on the Padres. Currently on. Oh. Um, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He, I, he, I know um, he was hitting like Babe Ruth last year uh, for uh, for the Yankees. He didn't play. He didn't play the full season with I, the Yankees. But I, when I, he was shut playing, up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Doesn't whenever you think you're helping, you're not actually helping because like I'm my brain is going somewhere, and then I'm like, wait, what? Like Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter. Yeah, yes. Took five extra base hits in 2018. I didn't remember him being a Yankee last season. Yeah. Honestly. Well, because he, I mean, he was ridiculous last yeah. year with the Yankees. All right. For like the two months that he played. All right, all right. Um, Harper, uh, not Bryce Harper. Oh, for God's sake! Yeah. Who is on this list? There's a guy. Are they good players? Yeah, they are good. players. How am I supposed to come up with Matt Carpenter? I don't know. I thought. What I is like, this? Hey, all right, and this guy did it against the Orioles. When? 2012. Well, we were watching them. Yeah. It's a long time ago, though. 
Who did he play for? He played for the Texas Rangers. Played for the Tejas Rangers yes. in 2012. Adrian Beltre. Not Adrian Beltre. He had a he had a ridiculous game. He had a Josh Hamilton. Josh yes. Hamilton. Yes, the Josh Hamilton game. He had five extra base hits in that game. Yeah, we got to move. It's 12:27. Somehow we've done this again. Okay. All right, fine. You want to switch it to uh, the, the? Can you name the three other guys that Matt Carpenter was one of them? The three other the three <laughs> other guys that hit uh, three homers and two doubles in a game. No. <laughs> one of them did it in 2016. The other did it in 2020. You're not going to get him. This guy did it in 2016. <laughs> right, it's, it's too, just tell me. You just tell you? It's 1227, right. man. We can't do this all day. It's Chris Bryant of the Cubs okay. in 2016. And then right. Alex Dickerson of the Giants. Alex, I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard that name before. I'm not sure that I have any familiarity with Alex Dickerson. He, I mean, yeah, he's, he's kind of a journeyman. He's, yeah, he's not even on the team this year. Alex Dickerson, at least not a, not a major league roster okay. this year. I've never, so. I've never heard that. And who else was on the first list? Uh, it was so the player or oh, oh, the rest of the yes there. Yeah, well, I, I liked it because they were such random names. But uh, that's Luis, the problem. It doesn't know, make I for know. a good. I know, I know. Luis Arias <laughs> did it for the Milwaukee. You Brewers. thought that I was supposed to get. Well, he was one of the ones I ruled out. Jose Ramirez. Okay, well, that one I probably could have got. Jackie Bradley point. Jr. had five yeah. extra base hits in a game in all 2015. Right. Uh, and then Kelly Shopik in 2008. What? <laughs> Orioles killer Kelly You Shopik. chose that list to be the trivia today. I like this list. Five extra base hits. Kelly Shopik on the list. Duh. And Alex Dickerson. Alex Dickerson, one of four guys that ever is, is, to have three homers and two doubles. That is rough, man. Before yesterday, was one of three guys ever. Do you like this show? Do you do you just not want to be? I know no, you're trying what? to get another job, but like, do you just not want to be here anymore? You, you do one Mount St. Mary's women's lacrosse game, and all of a sudden you're trying to burn it all down. That was that was a barn burner. Oh, yeah? How'd it Five go? to four. Ooh. And we had a, a three-hour plus Yeah, lightning it was delay. an unpleasant day on Saturday. Lightning delay for three-plus hours. Well, you could have had something. I had something weirder than that. It wasn't three and a half hours. I had a 15-minute malfunctioning horn delay on Saturday. The horn at the Loyola game it just like was, was just going randomly off. going off, oh, and it took 15 minutes for them to be able to shut down the horn completely and just use an air horn instead. <laughs> it was a whole – so I everybody's coming off the field. And I'm like, oh, no, we're going into weather delay. So as a broadcaster, I react accordingly. I said, well, I have the unfortunate responsibility to tell you that we're going into a weather delay. And then I noticed they're lingering on the field for a second. I'm like, or maybe they're not because <laughs> I had heard the horn – go off but it was like it was only one time so i didn't think anything of it and then i hear it again i'm like i'm starting to wonder if it might be related to that funky horn we're hearing in the background sure enough twas twas that was a first for me first ever horn delay that i have dealt with in my broadcasting career but didn't go three hours 15 minutes and then we were right back at it and as christian taylor showed up to do the women's game after me i said hey bud I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think you're going to have a long day ahead of you. I don't know. I don't know how it played out. Man. All right. Uh, T. Wheeler brought to you by Birdland Sports. Again, you can get your own Homer hose right now from BirdlandSports.com. 15 bucks. Get there right now to get your Homer hose. BirdlandSports.com. And don't forget, uh, speaking of uh, hydration and the weather and it warming up, I know it cooled down again on Sunday, but – A.J. Michaels is there for you as A.C. season is coming up. Expert and award-winning A.J. Michaels heating, A.C., plumbing, and home performance will improve your home's energy efficiency and comfort levels. A.C. season's coming up. New rebates and discounts are available at ajmichaels.com. Here's what's coming up tonight. Totally tubular. As we mentioned, the Orioles start their series of the Red Sox. Dean Kramer is on the mound against Chris Sale. 635 on Masson and the rest of the country. We'll see it on MLB Network. Locally, MLB Network will have Astros Rays at the same time. 
FS1 tonight for Athletics. Angels at 9.30. ESPN Plus. Rockies Guardians at 6. They start games at 6 in Cleveland. Who knew? TNT tonight for Bucks Heat game 4 at 7.30. Still no Giannis? Uh, good question. All right. Find out right uh, Grizzlies-Lakers game four at 10. We do believe Ja Morant is playing for that one. What yeah. about Dylan Brooks? Is they gonna, Are they just going to maybe politely say, hey, DB, maybe you get just tonight stop off. doing stuff. Maybe we just shut you down for the rest of the postseason. Maybe that's the case. Uh, ESPN-Devils-Rangers game four at 7. Golden Knights-Jets game four at 9.30. TBS-Leafs-Lightning game four at 7.30. Avalanche-Cracking game four at 10. And the USA Network tonight, WWE Monday Night Raw at 8. Giannis is back. Okay, so that is yes. significant as they are down 2-1 in that series. Non-sports highlights. Uh, nothing outside of uh, you know, just the late nights. Jimmy Kimmel is going to have James Corden. James Corden, this is his final week oh, doing the late, late God, show so on sad. CBS. I'll yeah. miss. So he's got a nice, but he's got some star-studded like, guest never, lineup for the week. Never watched Yal a Yado single moment. For Yal oh, Yadot, yeah, Yal Yadot. Yeah. Okay. And Ray Romano on tonight for James Corden. Great. Great. <laughs> Uh, and then Rain Wilson's going to be on Jimmy Fallon because he has a show coming out on Peacock. It is oh. called Rain Wilson in the Geography of Bliss. Um, and he's just traveling the world. I know he's an interesting cat. Trying to find happiness. I think he was like buddies with Blake Griffin or something. They were like, like oh, really? I think they might have even tried to do a buddy cop picture together at <laughs> one point. But like, I don't know if that's something for me. I like Rain Wilson, don't get me wrong, but I realize he's very he's become very like he's got a new book as well called Soul Boom. Yeah. He's, it's about spirituality and, and stuff. And that's the thing. I just God bless you, man. I'm I'm happy for you, but I just don't think it's for me. That's Anything it. else? That okay. is it. Right, that is it. Slow go. night. That was abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to everybody or <laughs> uh, thanks to a guest today. Thanks to Jeremy Kahn. Thanks to Al Bernstein and to Tony Skin. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my god, it's so good. Tab at Glenclarkradio.com. And uh, tomorrow anything? Oh uh, yeah, we're gonna have uh Matt Shaw. Oh right, Maryland baseball. Maryland they are baseball. playing uh UMBC at UMBC. So if you want to see Maryland baseball, who's been having a very good season, Matt Shaw could be a first round pick in the MLB draft. Actually could end up being around where do the Ray Orioles pick this year? Uh, I guess they pick like around right 18th middle, right? or so, yeah. something like that. Who knows? Maybe they could be uh, looking at Matt Shaw, um, who's had a great season for Maryland. He's going to join us tomorrow before they play at UMBC tomorrow night. So a chance for you to see them locally. 17th Terps. is the Orioles 17th. pick. Yes. I think he's more like in the 20s, 20s, 30s range. But who knows? They like him. Yeah. Who knows? It's an interesting name to keep uh, thinking about. So we'll talk to Matt Shaw. Um, Steve Eigenbrod, uh, the uh, Steve Eigenbrot. That's what I yes. said. That's what no, I said. It's not what you said. Steve Eigenbrot. No. Um, yeah, he's the athletic director at Towson. They made an announcement last week about uh, their own NIL collective that they're launching. So he'll tell us about that. Patrick Stevens will join us tomorrow. We'll talk about uh, Hopkins getting a huge win over Maryland. Really great game on Saturday night, and Hopkins gets a huge win there. All right. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including A.J. Michaels, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costas Inn, Hartford Community College, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin, at Griffin underscore Bass is how you follow him. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Monday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. <laughs>